Hello, Club Culture family. If you're on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and hit that bell. And if you're on your favorite streaming platform, thank you for tuning in and make sure you leave us a rating. We got a new episode for you all with a special guest. The guest on the podcast today is Tommy Billups. Yo, yo, what's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? Yeah, we're going to have a very fun and intricate episode today with you, my boy. I couldn't wait for this episode. Now, how are you going to start the episode off like that? And you just said you came from church. <laughs> what happened? He said, hell yeah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. <laughs> you just came from church. Oh, I'm sorry if I said that. I don't even remember that. Yeah, what's wrong I'm with that? I'm openly a heathen, so it's completely different. What's wrong with that? The, the spirit of him <laughs> said, hell yeah, we ready for this episode. That's insane. <laughs> Man, okay. I guess I said that. We'll run it back. <laughs> but, That's you know, funny. we want to get you warmed up on the podcast. We play a quick fire game called Weird and All, where, where we, uh, Josie and I will give you a headline, and you let us know if you think it's weird or not, and you give one sentence to explain why. Okay, cool. cool. Take it away, Josie. You take the first one. My, it, it look like I got lip gloss on. Okay. <laughs> Miami tight end Cam McCormick announced he will return for his ninth season of college football. Is that weird or no? Wait, repeat that again? <laughs> Miami tight end Cam McCormick announced he will return for his ninth season of college football. Is yeah, that weird or no? That's weird. Why? Nine years? Yeah. Like, like ain't college only four? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Larsa Pippen and Marcus Jordan reveal they that they have sex five weird. times a night. <laughs> 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 Listen, the moment you say Larsa Pippen, everything is weird to me. So that's Why? Weird. She, like, that situation is just weird. Like, she... Yeah, man, it's just weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's Scotty Pippen's ex-wife. Like... And Michael Jordan's son. That alone in the sentence is weird. <laughs> Do y'all know that age difference? What is? Yeah, you know what? I never. What is that age? Yeah, difference? I never looked into. Yeah, it. Well, why are you Baby doing that? that bad, yeah, while I'm doing like, that, you, you can read the next one. Yeah, why he doing? I'll give you another one. Two men were thrown out of Top Golf in Arkansas for pouring up cough syrup in public. They then claimed the establishment was being racist. Is that weird or no? Um. It's not weird. Pull the mic up to your mouth. It's not weird Sorry. that they got kicked out, mm-hmm. but it is weird that they act like that wasn't the issue. <laughs> okay, okay. So you got to choose one. Weird uh, or not? So I'm, I'm gonna go with weird. They they was weird for not understanding why they got kicked out of the club. <laughs> okay. Their age difference is 16 years. Okay. That's okay. insane. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kansas couple charged with collecting man's retirement while keeping his body in their home for six years. Is that weird or not? Nah? Oh, that's definitely weird. Why? Like he was dead. Yeah, I guess so. Oh yeah. man, yeah, they, yeah, that's weird. That's a different six years. Mm-hmm. The body started to stink after like a week. Mm. I mean, maybe they got it embalmed. <laughs> that that makes it even more weird. Embalmed, put them in a, a sealed case. You good. You don't smell nothing. You know how much of that retirement money you got to use to embalm the body first? It's a waste. So, uh, police charged men with killing suburban Philly neighbor after feuding over defendant's loud snoring. Is that weird or no? I'm going to say no. Nah. Why? Because... Because I snore, and mm-hmm. I know what that do to people. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine the extent <laughs> somebody will go to eliminate that sound. Okay, okay. Nude man nabbed by police after cannonball plunge into giant aquarium <laughs> at Bass Pro Shop in Alabama. Is that weird or not? Nah? 
it's hilarious. So no, it's not weird. I think uh, somebody choosing to do that is probably top of the line hilarious. So okay, you're just like me. I I appreciate people like that, bro. <laughs> He ain't had to be naked to do it, though. He could have kept his clothes on. I appreciate MTV. <laughs> I came up on MTV's jackass, so I appreciate <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, police in Kenya subs, uh, suspect a man was attacked by a lion while driving a motorcycle. Is that weird or no? Wait, say that again. Police in Kenya suspect a man was attacked by a lion while riding a motorcycle. No, nah, I don't think that's weird. I mean, lions be out there, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> May says Dwayne Wade painting his nails is like seeing Michael Jordan in lingerie. If you're going to do your nails, do your lashes too. I'd respect that more than tiptoeing out. Is that weird or not? Yeah, I think it's weird because even though people have their opinions about um, D-Wade, I just think when you're comfortable in your, like, manhood, there's things that you can do that, like, you may feel like it's feminine or you may feel like it's gay, but long as I know that I'm straight and I'm a man and, you know, it don't bother me, so. Okay. Would you paint your fingernails? Um, yeah, I would. What color? Uh, <laughs> I like black. Um, I like blue, so, you know. I think those are some solid colors, colors to yeah. paint. GD-ass uh, hands. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, woman known as Brick Lady, uh, Rhoda Osman, charged in Houston after being accused of making the whole thing up, raising 42 k on GoFundMe. Is that weird or no? Nah, she hit a lick. Okay. 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 You know, okay. you fell for it. That's on you. So. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg said he's raising cattle on beer and macadamia nuts to create some of the highest quality beef in the world. Is that weird or not? Wait, say that again. Mark Chattel. Zuckerberg said he's raising cattle on beer and macadamia nuts to create some of the highest quality beef in the world. Is that weird or not? Yeah, I'm going to just say weird because it's Mark Zuckerberg and the stuff he be doing or he got going on this next level billionaire stuff. So it's, it's going to always be weird to me. So Okay. What y'all buy that beef? Macadamia nuts and beer? Yeah. I don't eat meat so I can be out uh, of this yeah. conversation. <laughs> I forget every time. You don't even eat fish? That's not beef. <laughs> so I'm out of this conversation. Okay. Would you eat the beef, Josie? No. Nah. You ain't going to eat Mark Zuckerberg's meat? Not at all. Oh, okay. I, I don't want Mark, Mark Zuckerberg's meat. That don't, that don't sound like good meat. It's not a good, that's not a good diet to swallow. Well, thank you for playing Weird and All with us, Tommy. That was fun. Now, I wanted uh, to take a moment just to introduce yourself. You feel me? From what I know of you, you are a father of two, ex-divorcee. Oh, not ex-divorcee. How, how, how long have you been divorced? I've been divorced. Almost five years. Okay, five years divorced. Uh, uh, musician, mm-hmm. uh, photographer, mm-hmm. mentor to the, to the youth. Mm-hmm. Am I missing some things? Well, what else can you add? Now, to I'm, it? You know, I'm just a, a, a jack of all trades. I've been blessed with many talents, and I try to use them as in whatever capacity that I can use them um, that didn't fit in. And, I mean, that pretty much sums me up, man. Whatever I can put my hands to do, I try to do. So Okay. Before you came in, I told them who was coming because I didn't tell them yet. And what you say, Jay, when I said Tommy's name? 
I said I went to school with him. Okay. And then what did Josie say? He said, Do I know? Hey, him? you was in the choir? <laughs> Dude, yes, I was. <laughs> was you there when the choir fought the band? Yeah, I was the one that led that fight. <laughs> 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 I was the one that led that fight. <laughs> now, can we. Yeah, that was you. That, yeah, that was you. Yeah, it was. It was. I got tape footage of moments right before that happened because we had a. Uh, it was a dude that came from out of town that was going to, like, teach us stuff. So it was, like, a whole thing. We had chicken wings in the band room, and I'm just sitting there like, damn, bro. All this going to come down. Because I already knew what was going to happen. Uh-huh. So I'm like, well, might as that's well a, enjoy it. Let me get something to eat. That's a funny story in itself, like how that whole situation went down. Okay. But, uh, yeah. For the listeners, can y'all give a quick rundown of what the story you're talking about okay so you know let me give a little backstory uh-huh. i came from the luxurious suburban Wallace, right back, a quick rundown this, this is a quick rundown okay. i, I have make, to I'm give that context. Sure. i'm just making sure it's quick <laughs> you know so i transferred to east chicago central i've never went to school with such goons in my life okay okay <laughs> i feared for my life every day in that building okay so one day we had more goons come and they was a part of our side and they were there to protect us from the East Chicago goons, right? Mm. And then uh, one thing led to another. I heard it was over a girl. I don't know. Okay. You know, I just I just like to fight. So once I heard the fight was going down, it's like bet. Okay. So Tommy, your perspective of this fight. All right. So this is what happened. Uh, the the band teacher. I don't even remember his name. He was bringing Gary guys in to mm. the East Chicago band to help out. So, you know, the Gary guys was coming in, and they was talking to the girls. It wasn't bothering me, but one of my homies was talking to one of the girls mm. of the Gary guys. So we getting ready for a track meet. Okay. We sitting outside waiting, and he come up to my homie, and he like, hey, man, I heard you was talking to my girl. My homie <laughs> sitting on the ground, and then he just jump on my homie. So as a friend... I had to go in and, you know, help my homie. And next uh-huh. thing I know, I knock out like three or four dudes, uh-huh. uh, broke one dude's nose, and I wasn't trying to. Okay. Um, it was a kid that actually went to EC. I, I was going to say, it was, yeah. one, it was yeah. friendly fire. I thought it was all yeah. damn dudes goons. I was fighting, and I knocked out <laughs> one of my own. So. <laughs> so that's how that went down, and that went down as the choir versus band fight. And I got expelled for like five days, and they let me back in because my mom worked at the school. So mm. you, you, you goddamn goons! <laughs> I, I never seen anything like that a day in my life ever. Josie's so petty; he go try to get the person that knows you broke come on the podcast. <laughs> I know exactly who it was, man. I saw him one day, and, and his nose was still kind of like damn. I'm like, dang, I left permanent damage on this dude. I, I owe him an apology. So if you out there and you watching this, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was young. <laughs> I was immature. I didn't know how to maintain my emotions, and I just lashed out. So I'm sorry, man. So can you please forgive me? Well, on on the behalf of, you know, God's favorite children, the Wildest High School alumni, we, we forgive you, too. Okay. You, you know? Okay, we have made peace. Gary and EC done made peace today, man. Yeah. You got them goons. <laughs> okay, now that we got that out the way. <laughs> that day was funny as hell. It was a weird day. Because who started it, you never would have thought. You never would have thought he did something like this, ever. Uh, That's what took me by surprise. Uh-huh. I was like, there's no way he going to walk up to him and do that. Mm. And he did exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> now, we typically shoot on Sunday, Sunday mornings. And that's, you know, Sundays are, ten, are typically the Lord's Day for you. Yeah. So... Thank you for coming out. No problem. Mr. Church for this. <laughs> he said he went to church before this. Well, he only did that because you niggas was going to be late. 
Oh. So don't bring up shit. Just be quiet. But <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I mean, you know, we got thought I he went and got some Jesus in. I'm gonna try to not cuss as much just because. I'm, nah, be be free. I'm not. Do yourself. Be yourself. <laughs> you, I'm definitely you a not. Heathen, bro. <laughs> you <laughs> Openly. So I actually have a, a connection with you because your brother Keenan, mm-hmm. he was my middle school uh, basketball coach. Okay. And he also was in the same church home that I grew up in. Okay. Um, Revival Center. Okay. All right. So, when... I don't know why this is a thing, but someone else is a is a sibling. And I know the one sibling, but I never heard of the second sibling. And, <laughs> and then eventually, I just learned the second sibling without without any alley from the first sibling that I actually know. So, this is another moment of it. I don't know how we became uh, uh, connections or, or anything. I just know that we on Facebook together. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of weird that I've have had... Conversations and comment sections or anything with both of you two, and no one has ever said that's my brother. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Coach Coach K, that was his name, uh, seventh grade for me, and um, he was amongst the first people to like really just speak life into the skills that I have yeah. that nobody else was like trying to garner to be more than what it was. Yeah. <clears throat> so shout out to your brother. Okay, you was, was that Barker? Yeah. Oh, that's what's no, up. no, no, no. Wait, was it Barker? Eggers Bar- yeah, Barker. 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 Yeah, Barker. Yeah, I was over sure. at, 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 at uh, Elston when he was doing that. So. Oh, okay. So yeah. you was my rival. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, fuck y'all. <laughs> so, so with the name like Coach K, was y'all good? I mean, I they was. some good girls. I, I was. <laughs> so that's a no. I was playing seventh grade. I was in seventh grade when I went to Barker, and he was eighth grade assistant coach. And I think seventh grade, maybe assistant, but I just know he was my coach. So I had some dope Athletes come out of that class mm. with y'all. So, yeah, they was they was decent. Yeah, I was playing seventh grade. I would play, like, three quarters because you could play, like, two extra yeah. if you play a different grade. So, I played three with seventh grade, then played the rest with the eighth grader so that we can win. But yeah. we ain't we ain't winning <laughs> against Elston. <laughs> we ain't beat Elston. <laughs> Elston beat yeah, us. They had great talent. We had great earth. Talent. Now, what I can say is I beat Elston's seventh grade team by myself, <laughs> but I couldn't help them beat the eighth grade team. <laughs> That's what I can say. But, yeah, moving on from that. We're, uh, it's crazy. Were you in um, uh, Keenan? Did y'all grow up in the same uh, household? Yeah, yeah, we grew up in the same household. My mom and my dad have been married for almost 40 years now. So it's, uh, what, six of us all together? So big family. Me and Keenan are the only boys. Mm-hmm. So me and him was always close and tight. Okay. Now, uh-huh. how do you, uh, did, when you went to East Chicago, did he also go to East Chicago? Yeah, he was in EC uh, for a hot minute. Then he went on to do his own thing. Um, but I was in EC the majority by myself. Okay, I want to talk about doing the own thing part. Where did uh, you start navigating life on your own and trying to find your own sense of identity? What Re- age was that? Really, it was eighth grade. So when, so Try to hook the mic up. Originally, I'm from Chicago. Okay. So we moved to East Chicago. Funny story. Not funny story. We moved to East Chicago because Chicago was getting crazy. Um, my brother got jumped one time at the school. Um, the school was all on the news, big brawl or whatever. And then, like, a lot of killing and stuff was happening, like, literally in, like, our backyard and stuff like that. So we, you know, my mom wanted us out of there. Um, we ended up moving to East Chicago where my aunt and my uncle lived because they had a church out there. Um, so when we moved here... I was in eighth grade. My brother was in high school, so I was by myself for the first time, you know, ever being in school with, okay. with no siblings. Yeah. So that's kind of where I started, like, becoming who I was and being on my own and figuring out, you know, how I want to navigate, uh, you know, the social life. 
Man, that's crazy. That's a crazy experience. Yeah. That's when I started getting in trouble. Hey, right? Seventh, because I ain't have my brother. <laughs> he was gone. I was in a completely different school. It was over. So you the baby brother? Yeah, I'm the baby brother. <clears throat> okay. Big baby boys out here. <clears throat> Would you say that you have like a... Uh, like your parents still see you as the baby instead of the grown man? Did you have that growing up? Nah, my my parents uh once I because I was always bigger than everybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so my parents, you know, they never treated me like the the baby. Like I was, the, and so I was a middle child. So I I got that little middle middle child syndrome mm-hmm. at times, and oh, okay. you know they okay. treated me as such, not intentionally, like trying to like you know what I'm saying, but it's just a natural feeling. You know, you got younger siblings, you got older siblings. And the, my sisters were, like, real young. And it's just, like, I kind of went unnoticed in a sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. You're the youngest boy or the youngest I'm sibling? the youngest boy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> because I got you missing church right now. All right. I thought to bring a, a little gospel to the uh, podcast. Okay. So, you said that you watched this video, but I'm going to let it play for our listeners and for Jonesy and Jay. Uh, so, Mark Lamont Hill... Um, he gave a speech at the St. Sabina Church here in Chicago uh, for Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday last Monday. Uh, He did it on last Sunday, um, and he had a bunch to say. More so, his message spoke a lot on uh, listening to understand, which is our season four's theme. So I thought it would be great to re-harp on that season four's theme with this podcast. Sermon that Mark uh, Lamont Hill gave. Now, before you play that, can I play a church video too? No, you cannot. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, <laughs> press the <and> start. <laughs> One of the great lies of history is that history is advanced by singular people and really singular heterosexual, able bodied men. But for every single person, like a king or a Malcolm, or an Ella, or a Fannie Lou. There are tens of thousands of people standing behind them. History is not advanced by single people. History is advanced by the people who are willing to stand in the gap for those people. People who are willing to sacrifice and and, and help somebody and bail somebody out of jail and pray for somebody and feed somebody and make the photocopies for somebody. And for a long time, the people who have stood in the back have been women. So part of what we got to do in this tradition is change some of the things of the past and say, we no longer gonna have a sister with a PhD in the back and the brother not making no sense in the front. We got to move the sisters to the front. We gotta let the women lead. We gotta let our queer folk lead. We gotta let our trans folk lead because we ain't got it right. Men, we ain't got no way to say we done did this thing right. So join an organization and be willing to be led. To organize is to join organizations and be committed to them. Don't leave when you don't get your way. Don't leave when you don't get elected. Don't leave when you fall out with somebody. Don't leave when the person you got that thing for left the organization. You broke up with them and ain't got that thing no more. You got to be bigger than that. Now, I ain't trying to be a historical or romantic in my analysis. I'm not saying that it wasn't like that before. You go to any black neighborhood. Right there. <clears throat> I will leave the link 
uh, of this speech in our YouTube description description for anyone that is interested to listening to the whole entire thing because I think this whole fifty one minutes was very powerful. Um, now, Tommy, Mark Lamont Hill also spoke on Joe Biden coming to a church to also give a speech somewhere else. I don't know what the church was. And um, his speech talked about, he touched on the genocide happening in Palestine, right? And it's because he had some people speak up and was like, free Palestine. He had protesters. And so he then spoke about his views uh, against free in Palestine. And so Mark Lamont, um, I think that he kind of piggybacked on just that whole spiel and wanted to come to his speech at a a church in Chicago to make sure that he touches on how the leadership that we have seen for many, many years since pretty much the beginning of civilization has been led by white men, uh, but more so men in general, because as white men started allowing other people to lead, it became just different faces of men. It hasn't been any other facets of just a heterosexual man. So my question is, Uh, I know I've seen you speak a lot about masculinity um, on your social media platforms. Just what is your ideals just from what Mark Lamont was saying? What What is your takeaway and your interpretation of just the face of leadership? Yeah, I think um, for me at least, the definition of leader gets confused with being in charge. Okay. Um, and for me, um, when I think leadership, leadership is understanding strengths and putting people in the best position to, you know, succeed. So if I'm a leader, right, Mm -hmm. that means that I may not be good at math, but if a sister over there is better at math as a leader, I can say, hey, listen, you go do that. I'm not good at that. Let me get get that to you. Mm -hmm. And as a team, a a leader looks for, like, what's best, what's best for the entire team, what's best for the entire country, what's best for the entire body. So I'm going to put the people that may be better than me in the situation – to, to take care of that. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, I think to his point, um, because we live in the society where it's, you know, male dominant and, you know, men has always led. I think we've had a lot of male leaders that think because I'm a man, I get to lead. Yeah. Versus I'm a leader and I'm also a man, you know, from, uh, my upbringing, I come from a conservative household, you know what I'm saying, very, uh, you know, traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that there's a, there's a good thing when, when a man does lead, mm-hmm. but the way that they lead and the understanding of what leadership really is is skewed. And so that's why we get, like, terms like toxic, toxic masculinity um, and things like that because – you know, men don't really understand. They think leadership is I'm in charge and what I say goes. Mm-hmm. Versus I'm just naturally equipped with the leadership skills. Yeah, I'm yeah. a man. And right, like, right. Nah, bro, you got to develop those. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Jonesy, you got something to add to that? Cause you, I mean, that was pretty much it. Okay. What, what, what I had to add, Jay? add to it. You not right just because you a man. Right. Okay. I was gonna say I, <clears throat> I agree with that because some people they do have the mindset that in order to be lead that they have to just be in charge of everything and you might not be equipped to ha- handle that mm. yeah because even Jew was telling me his wife wore the pants 
Didn't okay. you? She wears pants. She wears <laughs> <laughs> he always embolishes shit that you say to him. <laughs> so my take on that was I, I, I actually took a couple of notes because I don't want it to stray away from um, the theme of this season. Because mm-hmm. the theme listening to understand is, is very much was chosen for a reason. Um, I was I was the most honored student at the university I graduated for. Um, I got the highest award that a senior could get. And so with receiving that award, I was to give a speech for our graduation ceremony. And I wasn't able to do it because COVID uh, took that away from us having a graduation physically. And so one of the things that was heavily in my speech was listening to understand. Like everything that this podcast stands for, it comes from uh, a place of reason. Um, a lot of people think that listening is just a physical act. You just are there to hear what that person has to say instead mm-hmm. of what exactly can we do to bridge the gap between what we both are saying that differs. And when you listen to understand instead of just listening to them, you understand, you come out of that with understanding of how what I think my situation is, how can that now merge with you? How can we come together at a certain point? And so I wanted people that listens to any episode for season four to come out of this having a better grasp of understanding. So what do you think is a way for people to communicate? What is one thing that you see that people typically do that uh, distorts that um, that ability to understand when listening? They just want to be right. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, one thing that I learned is that, and, and I used to be that way. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, my worldview what I experienced as a child growing up my vision of the world was what the world was and anything against that was like oh that's wrong yeah but it wasn't until I got older I branched out from my parents I you know even when it came to religion branched out and experienced you know religion in different cultures and you know going over to Israel and seeing things over there going over to India and seeing things over there coming back home and you know, going to the black church, the white church, the Hispanic church, seeing that people all have different experience and understanding like, oh, that's the reason why they do that. Oh, it makes sense now why they think or why they believe that way. It doesn't make it necessarily wrong. It's just different from what I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think um, a lot of people aren't privy to experience life in that facet. It's just like, you know, their worldview is their worldview. And anything that comes against that is like, that's wrong. Or, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I just learned to like, listen to people and like, okay, um, why do you, why do you do that? Okay. And, And when they tell me why they do that, I look at, okay, well, these things were in place when they were a child or from their experience. So it makes sense why they would think or believe that way. Mm hmm. How's the music in Hispanic church? <laughs> I love my Hispanic people. Uh, <laughs> how, 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 how the music be? Oh, the music be lit. I mean, you know, the, the so they like to sing all of the black and the white songs together okay. in one <laughs> thing or whatever. <laughs> Sometimes they be off rhythm, but it's something about, at least for me, I, I don't care if it sounds bad. It's all about the heart to me. Okay. Like, if you in there and you going forward and and you and it's all hard, I'm like, yeah, man, let's get with it. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to sound perfect. I enjoy people enjoying the experience. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm never using auto-tune another day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's up now. Please do. Please do. <laughs> nope. Please do. Never. <laughs> uh, I wanted to share a, a quote that I got from that video. Um because he spoke so much about Martin Luther King's birth, uh, birthday, Martin Luther King Day, that we that we had to fight to become a national holiday in America, is 
not being celebrated how we think that we uh, that he thinks we should. And so many people congregate. They go on their Facebook. They go on their Instagram. They make all of these posts about activism or whenever it's trending to speak on out against injustice, mm-hmm. but they're not actually putting action behind what they're saying as well. Like when you, you Juneteenth and MLK day, like we are not selling, we aren't, we, we celebrating something happy. You feel me? This right. nigga was killed. He was assassinated. So you saying bring back violent protests? No, he's not. Please watch that fifty-one minute video, Josie. He is not saying because that. that's what I'm hearing. No, and he, I'm with that. No, he is saying to remind yourself, like, actually, what have you done today that's purposeful? You feel me? If you ain't, if you can't say something that you've done today that was purposeful, maybe you should go do something that's purposeful. And what are you doing today on MLK Day instead of just waking up and saying, "Damn, it's MLK Day." Okay, cool. MLK didn't wake up every day and say, "Damn, okay." It's, it's Monday. No, <laughs> nigga was in a battlefield fighting for your life to be as equal as it is today. You feel me? So instead of celebrating these days, I like, start moving with purpose. You feel me? That's what I. That's what I took from this video, and I just hope that anyone that does click on that link and watch it, they also take it and then start asking themselves, "What did I do today that was purposeful? If I didn't do anything, okay, let me try to make up t- for it in two folds tomorrow, three folds three days later." It's, it's funny you say that because I, I literally was talking about this last night mm-hmm. that every MLK day, I kid you not, you know, I, like I said, I've been in every type of church, you know, and I'm just speaking from the Christian community. Today, when I talk to my Christian people, don't feel like I'm an atheist. I'm just talking from perspective <laughs> and I'm just letting y'all know what I every oh, just shoot. Just yeah, go for just it, bro. Shoot. Just so go like for when it. I, every white Christian church, mm. MLK day, right? Mm-hmm. They share the same one quote. I got it right here pulled up. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Mm-hmm. That's literally the only thing that they will share. They'll share a picture <laughs> of MLK. They'll post that up. You won't hear no conversation about the black, the injustices that's mm-hmm. happening in the black community and things. I was at a church one time. And um, this pastor, they told us, hey, you know, we don't want to be political because we, you know, we don't. And so I'm like, okay, cool. If we're not political, that means we ain't going to talk about black issues. We're not going to talk about white issues. We're just going to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then the Ukraine thing happened, right? Yeah. Oh, man, they on the, they on the altar. And we need to pray for Ukraine. We yeah. need to, they sending people over there. They yeah. doing this. And me knowing that, like, Ukraine has a history of, you know, racism and things like that. It's like, yo. They baby Russia. Yeah. So That's, that's all it is. Right before the Ukraine incident happened, that incident happened in New York where those people were gunned down in that grocery store. Mm-hmm. And not a thing was mentioned about praying for that community over there in New York. Yeah. And I, I brought that to the past. I said, hey, man, like, like I know you said we're not being political, but this seems very political. And if we're going to be political, let's talk about everything. You mm-hmm. know, the injustice that's happening in the black community. They didn't even, like, the whole month of February went by. They didn't mention nothing about black history or whatever. Yeah. So it was just like, and in their minds, they don't see anything wrong with that. To your point about just posting a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King ain't doing Dr. Martin Luther King Day any justice. It, it isn't. You're not serving the community. You're not making it a better place for all uh, humankind. So yeah. it's like, it's really just a, a pat on the back. Oh, well, I did my quote for the day to make me feel like I'm not racist. So. You posted in black and white when colored <laughs> photographs right. been around for like 60 years before he died. See, I did a, little, a research on that, though, because that was a thing. It was a thing on Twitter where uh, a photographer, I believe, he posted that why are so many of the pictures depicted from the civil rights movement in black and white when there was color invented at the time? Right. And 
you know, so many people came out trying to debunk it and whatnot. And the only thing that I did see that made sense for why that was debunked is because black and white, what do you get when you see something that's black and white? You, uh, what, what's the uh, the visual interpretation that you get from something in black and white? You think that it has what? what? It's, it's cheaper? It was cheaper to have black and white than a color joint? I mean, yeah, it was, it was cheaper, saying? but also, like, uh, would you take something as... Would, would you think, like, if you was to see a slavery picture in color, would you be like, you you would be focused on everything in that picture outside of just seeing that, damn, this nigga is in chains right now. Like, the color makes you now see that picture in so many different ways. You 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 focusing on other shit other than just just what alone that picture was instead of, you feel me, exactly what it is. It's slavery. That's what it is in this picture. Right. And I, oh, my God, that man had brown blonde curly hair he must have been biracial back then like you feel we just focus on slowly uh, only that man in chat who are are you speaking for everyone because it's the way that we uh we we interpret things uh as a pattern it's a human behavior when you see a movie in color and then you see a movie in black and white (laughs) you would rather turn that fucking black and white movie off you want to see it in color because in color you can just you focus on so many aspects of that movie other than the actual message of the movie if it was black and white, you only could just focus on just that. I ain't gonna hold you. If something in black and white, I don't. I just don't want to see it at all. Okay. Because it's just low quality. Show me the color. Okay. I like colors. When I think of black and white, I think of something old. Uh huh. So in my mind, it was like, all right, this was they did this, but I, and I'm guess I'm thinking of it from like, all right, I'm seeing it in current day times, and I'm thinking like, oh, it's in black and white because. They're trying to show me that this was a long time ago. Uh-huh. And so I don't know. I, I never researched. Were they printed in black and white back then? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. They Man, were. All of my so family pictures from even beyond the 60s are in, are in colors. And my family ain't had shit. Because if you want to put something in the newspaper, it serves a purpose to be black and white. It's cheaper and they'll. They can they, print more. Yeah. It's a business thing. And they don't, they don't want it to be in color in a newspaper. It's black print. You put color on top of black, a black piece of paper and black uh, words. Like you, they would rather it be black or white. So some of these niggas would take the picture and turn it black and white so they can be in the news. Right. You only had color on the cover. And normally on Sundays. Okay. Moving on from that. <laughs> little, little fun fact. Especially the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, a last thing I wanted to talk on from this clip here, because it is so much I actually would like to say, but I don't want to take up too much of the episode. Um, a lot of people tend to think that they have to uh, think about other people outside of their family or their household when we ask, ask for people to stand up for something. Like, oh, what can I do for the people in Palestine, Congo, and all of these uh, impoverished uh, countries? What can I do for them when I ain't got something? To, my kids need something to eat every day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just throw solutions out there for these people, right? So if, as you all think of stuff, you know, go ahead and say, say it for me too. But my, my biggest uh, thing to say to those people that say that they can't uh, be revolutionaries to the cause because it's too expensive or it takes away from your household you are an individual in a uh, a world of the greater community. If you are fucked up and down bad, mentally have not been uh, anywhere happy in your in your life, maybe you should change what's going on in your life so that then you can help another soul. Because if you are uneducated, mentally ill, um, severely schizophrenic, and won't get a diagnosis uh, on that, 
that. If you, if you won't get none of, nothing done for yourself, you cannot be able to help others in any way possible. So fix yourself first. Help yourself and before you, you want to help the community. <laughs> you you can't me? help nobody if you big as hell. Okay. <laughs> you, you can't. You're okay. right, but... You, you can't. Okay. I heard you. <laughs> Y'all got anything to add? Yeah, to your point, um, uh, we're all connected, right? Mm-hmm. If something was to happen to me, there's at least 100 people's life that's going to be impacted, yes. right? And if we think about it from that perspective, like you said, we'd be so quick to, and, and I hate it, like, again, I'm back to the church people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I hate when I see churches going on mission trips and sending money to, like, Africa and sending money to different things for different purposes, and you live in a community where there's people literally, like, poverty there and you do nothing in your community and like you feel like you did a good job because mm-hmm. you didn't helped out these people all the way over there when you got people in your next door neighbors that suffering yeah i mean even the bible talks about like helping your neighbor and i feel like if we did a better job at like not trying to attack the, the huge problem and just deal with right what's ne- right what's what's right next door to us mm-hmm. i think that's how you turn that drip of water into a pond and that pond turns into a lake that lake turns into an ocean mm-hmm. and it gets bigger and bigger so if we attack it that way i think we would you know be better off mm-hmm. is it bad that i got mad that somebody wouldn't take a blanket from me when he was sleeping on the street he wouldn't take a blanket from you no and, and it was got, cold as hell you got mad at it yes I got so upset. I wanted to just throw the blanket at him and run, but that would have been disrespectful. What did he say? He was good? Yeah. I asked him like three different times. I normally don't don't repeat myself when I'm trying to help somebody because I kind of don't want to do it. But I'm like, gang, it's cold as hell. Like, I mean, you can't be mad at who don't want to be helped. No, nah, man. You, that's that, that's, yeah. that's part the of the issue, too. Why yeah. are we so focused on the people that don't want help? Let Leave them be. Take the blanket. Focus <laughs> on the niggas that's coming to you and say, hey, can I please have a blanket? No, man. Take the damn you see, that's, that's the, that's well, so, yeah, that's actually an insight into your, yourself. Why are you upset that you can't help someone that don't want to be helped, but it, won't then focus that help on someone that wants to be helped? I do, though. You just said, no, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I help everyone. Okay. <laughs> but that one, inc- that one incident is just the one time that's like, dog, okay. take the blanket. Uh, Tommy. <laughs> hey, did you graduate summa cum laude? Summa cum laude. Summa. What's it called? Sim Sima. Who got the keys to my bima? I graduated something like that. What you <laughs> Not call exactly it? like that. So who is summa cum laude? I don't know the difference. I don't know at the top of my mind, but I you graduated. was valedictorian. No, I wasn't valedictorian. You were salutatorian. I wasn't that either. Okay, man. I didn't have the high because you get that if you have the highest GPA. Ain't that what you said? No, I was the highest honored student. So I got the award that encompassed more than just being an academic scholar. Like I also gave back to my community. I have many reasons for why I should be honored honored of, above other students because I did more than just get good grades. So you was like the MVP and all the other smart kids was like the assist leader and the points leader. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That was that was good. That was good, okay. man. I like Bet that. One. Yeah, you got it. You out here. <laughs> Big turn. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, how extensive is your studies with, um, Christianity scale of one through 10, 10 being I'm the world-class Christian. Um, I'm going to say a seven, even though I feel like it is more than a seven because I'm, I'm always learning. I'm never going to be a person that feel like I know it all. Okay. You know, there's a lot of Christians out there that think, you know, I know the Bible. I don't know everything. Some okay. things, sometimes I get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm forever a student. 
I do have a bachelor's degree in theology, though. Okay. Um, but again, like I said, that doesn't mean that I know everything. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm an everyday learner. I might read something today and have an opinion about it. Then a year later, I'm like, yo, yeah, I was definitely wrong about that. Well, you learn, you know, way more than at least I'm going to give a drastic (laughs) 80% of uh, followers of the Christian faith. (laughs) What's your favorite Bible verse? My favorite Bible verse. Um, um, um. That's a tough one because I In like a lot of them. Um, Jesus wept. That's, my <laughs> That's the easiest one. <laughs> Why did Jesus wept? <laughs> Top three Bible. <laughs> Could you explain uh, Zionism to me quickly and for dummies? Explain it in the dumbest terms possible. So honestly, I can't. Okay. I can tell you what I, I think it is. I think it's, it's this extreme um, version of like, Christianity okay so whereas like uh yeah I, I can't I'm you know I'm not gonna even put myself in a situation to sound dumb uh-huh. <laughs> so like, I really can't explain it to you I mean I've, I've seen the word across social media I've never took the time out to like go in and say like what is that yeah, so, yeah. I was hoping you was just gonna shoot I was yeah. really yeah. Nah, I, don't, I don't shoot when I ain't got the shot <laughs> <laughs> same same for me I grew up in a church home and it took for me for people to start talking about Palestine for me to really start seeing that word yeah. more than just Church of Zion or yeah. like that was just church names. But now I'm seeing people use it as like such a, a weapon. Yeah. You feel me? And Yo, so I started. There's a lot of Mount Zion's and Zion. Because it was a that's hill. crazy. Zion was a hill, and so oh, that's what so we're talking about two different things. No, that, no, that they get the it's words based on the same. So that hill is based on Zionism. Well, they they got the, they coined the word Zionism from their religion of Christianity, but Zion was a name of a hill. So both of them just parallel exist. Yes. At the same. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Because so I'm thinking, you, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Type thing. I mean, Let me the, pull up the definition. The hill came first. And then the hill. Inspired the name yes. of the practice. Okay. Yes. So they shouldn't have the name of the hill in the church? No. I'm just saying that's where we get the word Zion from. It's, it was a name after a hill. Okay. But Zionism's a bad thing. No? I, I mean, to the whoever is describing it, it can yeah. be a bad or a good thing. Okay. Uh, so. Okay. So it says Zionism is the movement to recreate a Jewish presence in Israel. Yes. Okay. Um. So. Hearing that, you know, on a surface level, it don't sound bad. But I think where it gets bad is when be, when establishing that Jewish presence is now like oppressing everybody yes. else. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, for me, w- when it comes to that, like this whole Palestine and uh, Israel thing, like I told you, I, I went to Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. And this was it was kind of tough for me. And like <laughs> what kind of what which part? What city? Um, like I went Jerusalem. We was in Bethlehem, Tel Aviv, like all around those spaces in uh, Israel. Like it was we really used to dope. sing them songs in kids' church, in <laughs> kids' choir. That's hard. So <laughs> the funny thing is, going there as a believer, right? And I, you know, people believe what you want. I'm with whatever, whatever you, whatever works for you, works for you. But for me, you know, I'm a believer. Um, going there, it was hard for me to deny that, like, the stuff in the Bible ain't real, like historically. Everything, but um, to to our point, what we're talking about, um, it was really hard for me because uh, seeing like you know kids and babies dying 
You know what I'm saying? I can't rock with anything that's like okay with killing a, a baby or okay with oh we doing this we have to do this but like babies and stuff is is dying like yeah I can't rock with that yeah you know so yeah how long you stay in Israel? Uh, what two weeks? You went through all them cities? Yeah, that's lit. I didn't yeah. want to come home honestly. It was beautiful. Okay. Uh, so I had saw it was a it was a Facebook friend I had. Never met her in my life, but she's from Hammond. And she spoke, she was speaking about like how she's down with Israel, you know? So I had to delete her off Facebook. <laughs> that was not going where I thought it was. <laughs> right? I, th- I thought you said we had an interesting conversation. No, we, no, we did not. We, we did not. Anybody that chooses a side, I got to delete yeah. you, you know? Don't, Especially without context. Yes, man. I got to delete you. Isn't the theme listening to understand? But you have no, like, under, it's just, like, basically. Or there's just no way of understanding that other side. When you choose a side, you, you, you slate it where you stand. Right. So there's no need for me to come over here and say, hey, let me try to deter you from Israel. You've chose your side. Because you already, okay. Yeah, so let me delete you because <laughs> I don't need that on my feed, you know. <laughs> and so I wanted to just, uh, I wanted to have a quick spiel just about Zionism because that is, what a lot of our black uh, folk have been spewing, yeah. and they know nothing about it. They know nothing about it. <laughs> I employ anybody that uh, is interested to really just do deep research. Um, it, you don't even got to be that deep because I did quick research. Like the the Jews, like how can you uh, go against Palestine when Jesus was a Palestinian Jew? That that alone had me thoroughly confused. You know. How now, do you kill Palestinians if if Jesus was a Palestinian Jew? But God, God killed Jesus. No, that that ain't got nothing to do with what I said though. Okay, <laughs> they ain't got nothing to do with what I said. <laughs> I, I tried. Did you want? Do you want to help him out with that? God killed Jesus. No, nah, I don't. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, no, we can leave it there. You know, I, just, I mean, hey, hey. Now you said. <laughs> On your trip to Israel, that you found out a lot of the stuff in the Bible was fake. Like, no, 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 no. A lot of it is true. That's so, what you said. It's yeah, true. Yeah, a lot of it is true. Now, uh, from like a geographical standpoint, like there was a part of the Bible where they was reading Psalms. I can't remember the exact word, and like David was talking in the Psalms, and we were at the location where David was talking, and he was talking about like something about like. You know, as far as the eye can see on the hills of this certain place, like literally where we were standing was what he was describing. When you look around, it mm-hmm. was everything that was in the Bible that he was talking about. Okay. So it it's hard for me to to deny that at least the biblical things that happened weren't real. Right. You know what I'm saying it could be argued that, you know, whether or not Jesus wasn't real or whatever, you can you you can argue that. But just off of what I experienced, it's just like I can't deny it. So I'm now is Jesus Alex. black? No, no, Mm-mm. he wasn't white either. I mean, he was from the Middle East. He's Palestinian, Palestinian Jew. Jew. <laughs> <laughs> what you were born in America? Yes. Right? So you're American. Yes. Okay. Jesus was born Palestine. in Palestine. So he's Palestinian. He was colored. If that helps. Yeah. He well, just was black. He wasn't white. He just was he just had fair skin. Yeah. Okay, he, so he wasn't black as fuck. Yeah. So the Congolese people aren't black? It's whoever you see there, their skin color, whatever that skin color is, is what they are. How they look. So Jesus was black. 
His skin color wasn't black, though. You it said was, it was fair. I can't tell you exactly what color was skin, but I know for a fact he wasn't white. <laughs> At least I can say that. So when you was in Jerusalem, you ain't see, I mean, Israel, you ain't see no pictures of Jesus, like no teenage p- pictures of Jesus. <laughs> nothing. You ain't seen his yearbook. Something else. <laughs> no, man. And then just with, um, just with how is Israel is like really a melting pot of all those surrounding countries. Um, and this is why, you know, the Hebrew Israelites have the argument that those aren't the real Jews or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't go too deep into that, but it, you know, they have an argument because so many people have passed through that area and so many people have. So it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like a melting pot of Turkey and all of those places around there. So Jesus being a Palestinian Jew is different than being like a Drake Jew. I mean, putting Palestinian in front of Jew just means this is where you were born and you also follow the Judaism. Okay. You just say, this is where I was born and I also accept Judaism. Judaism. That's it. You are a black Christian. You are an American Christian. You're from America, but you're also a Christian. That's Worst it. kind of Christians. So yeah. then you can be a black Christian from, okay, I'm following. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Now we're going to move on from that because uh, we talked heavily about the Cat Williams uh, interview for the past two episodes, right? And one of the things that we talked about was just the men addresses theory. Uh, so I wanted to ask this question, a follow-up question from our discussions that we had. What happens... When a man is emasculated, like what's next after you have completely emasculated a man? See, that's the thing. Like, I don't emasculation for me, at least it depends on who's saying that who's emasculated. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when Cat Williams then was talking about the man in dress, me personally, I wouldn't get in a dress. Mm-hmm. But if a man chooses to get in a dress and their intent is to be funny. Yeah. I don't think that they like. Being emasculated, yeah. like they're purposely doing this to be funny or whatever. And if it works, it works. You know, sometimes it's like, yo, you could have did that without it or yeah. whatever. But um, I, it, it just depends on who's saying who's being emasculated because people can say, you know, you look back at at Prince and that era of androgyny. What I can't yeah. say the word or whatever. People dress like women. They wear eyeshadow. They do this, but those were men. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So. I think the whole emas- uh, being emasculated, masculinity type, like it's all diluted with just a bunch of feelings, men that are insecure, you know, with themselves. I-, I do believe that there's a, a standard mm-hmm. um, that should be held amongst men, which is like just honor, respect, you know what I'm saying, being protectors and providers and things like that. But anything outside of that is kind of like, yo, you know. Anything that has nothing to do with the physical. Yeah. Pretty much. That's your standard. That yeah. you think men should have for themselves yeah i agree see my definition of emasculated is like totally extreme what is your definition like cutting it off cutting it off yeah no what i mean (laughs) that's super extreme you know i'm I'm following though but now i like just doing some i don't want to use that phrase but doing some some questionable things yes to somebody like somebody owe you some money and you beat them up and make them strip like Okay. Okay. So That's you mas- you emasculated him by doing that, making him strip. Yeah. That, well, you could just took his money. Well, yeah. yeah, or you just could have just took the L and just kept going. But that also serves the question: Why? Maybe that man does not feel emasculated because he's stripping after you took his money, 
maybe he's just embarrassed. He's just embarrassed, <laughs> and he fears for his life, so he's stripping for himself, and he does not feel emasculated. Like he still feel like he's still a man. You know what? Yeah. Now that he say that, now that he say that, I think it's more so of like when your power is, is stripped from you as a man, mm-hmm. like you know the definite. Definition of a man in most cases, like someone who has power or have control, the moment that you lose control of that situation and somebody else has that control, I think that's when the feeling of being emasculated, you know, sets in. Okay. Because you're naked in somebody else's apartment getting punched on because you owe them money. So you're not in control. My question is everyone can have that definition of it, right? What is next? What happens after you are emasculated? Are you saying that there's no way to come back from that? I could never gain back my strength as a man. That's it. I I wouldn't be surprised if you couldn't. Like if that was your take. I don't know. I've never been. But we don't ever talk about. That's yeah. why I'm posing the question. We never yeah. talk about when you see a man that you deem to be emasculated. What is next for that man? I only been beat up with my take, clothes on. I mean, I for me, just take it for that situation. It happened in that situation. You just gotta, you know, put your big boy pants on. It's like, hey, you know, it happened. And move forward. I think that in, the moment that you just say, hey, it happened, but I'm moving past it, mm-hmm. you got your masculinity back. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, realizing that, yo, I, I lost control in that situation. I didn't have control in that situation. I'm going to do my best to avoid any situation that will put me back where I don't have control. Yeah. And the moment that you mentally, like, accept that, I feel like, you you know, your masculinity is back. Is, is restored. Yeah. Now, <laughs> would you still be friends with somebody that got beat out their clothes? Yeah, because they ain't got nothing to do with me. Like, I'm not going... I'm not going, I'm going to feel better. Man, that's a messed up situation. But I'll be the friend like, hey, man, it's good, man. Like, come on, man. Don't don't let that, you know what I'm saying? You can't let that moment of somebody taking advantage of a situation dictate your manhood. Yeah. I so. feel you. But I'm still going to not be friends with them. Because you've racked up such a debt that somebody got that mad they want to do something like that to you. I don't want to be associated why, with you. Why is it, though? Is it because, like, if y'all go out together, people going to look at y'all funny? No, it's dangerous. Because what if I'm with him and they want to come beat him up, but I'm there? Now they're going to beat me naked. I ain't, no, bro. <laughs> I'm good. Every time they get beat up, they just, every time they every get in a fight, they bro, just take you, their clothes off. You just never know, bro. I'm cool, bro. I can't have that happen to me. So why, see, that? I feel like you less of a man now, man. Why you can't defend if that was to happen to your, your homie again? If it's two on six, bro, we done. It's okay. over. Okay. Even if we got guns, we can only shoot maybe two or three of them before we shot. First of all, this... Now you making it seem like this guy that keeps having to get stripped naked and stolen from. Maybe this person is just. Uh, we need to ask the question: yeah, why, have, you, why they why keep, they keep taking your clothes you. off for of you? <laughs> yeah. No, we asking the wrong questions, bro. <laughs> if this man is purely a victim, okay, cool. But if this man, this is a habitual act that's done to him all the time, that he might be in some serious business. Because it's not random. If somebody is doing that to you, you did something. It's something that you can control. So is it I, different people doing it or the same people coming and taking his clothes more off? More than likely, it's going to be the same people. Okay. They've got beef then. Yeah, they That's got beef. That's just beef. Yeah, they got. yeah they so you, got, I can't associate with that. Okay, cool. I get it. I don't want to confuse the listeners because that just sounds like a man with beef <laughs> and it's not, it's not resolved. That's it. That ain't got nothing to do with emasculation. <laughs> I mean, it could be just, you know, you just... End up crossing random paths with people and the same thing keep happening. You just never know. Hey, take his clothes too. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. Oh, man. I don't know where. I feel like the conversation of emasculation came from slavery, like just bug breaking. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, I see I, me as a woman, when I hear 
people have the conversation of men addresses and you put a man in a dress, they emasculated him, right? What's wrong with a man being addressed cosplaying as a woman, right? Because then that makes me ask myself, what's wrong with being a woman? If if you can't cosplay as me, why? When I think that I'm great, I think I I will I wouldn't be no I wouldn't want a man to be to play me uh, in my biopic. Mm-hmm. I would like for you to choose someone that looked like me, you know. But if that was the best actor for the job and they did a stand up job, you know, I will hope that you choose someone of honor honor tech degree instead of it just being a woman. I mean, in Shakespeare's me in Shakespeare time, like men play women, yeah. you know. So I think what it boils down to is fragile. Man, like a uh, fragile manhood, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm pro man, I'm pro this or whatever. But also, I understand like there's a lot of men out there that's insecure. Like, you know, like I'll give an example, like this gay agenda that they say. Yeah, I don't believe that there's a gay agenda. Uh-huh. You know, I believe that there are people who were marginalized or who were, you know, uh, who were um, not appreciated. They were, you know called like cast away and now they're in this place where like now you know i have freedom so anybody is going to like overly or exaggerate their freedom because they didn't have that in the past or whatever so i don't you know i don't believe that you know they're trying to make america gay i don't think that you know this that's the plot or the plan nobody's sitting up in the building hey we need to make everybody gay today like (laughs) what that doesn't benefit anything Mm -hmm. so i think that psychologically there's a lot of men who fear man, they going to think I'm gay or somebody going to do something to me. Like, yo, I can, I don't know, man. I, and it's just me. It's a each his own. I just don't fear that. Mm-hmm. So it's like nothing really can make me feel less of a man. Mm-hmm. Now, have we looked into the why men used to act as women in the Shakespeare days? Patriarchy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, what if, so what if the men that played the women was the ones that maybe the stage player throwers or whatever – would make play the women as a way of emasculating them within their community. Nah, because even they, white people said had slaves. You know that's crazy to say. Like, hey, like the the amount of like patriots, like, hey, you not look here, woman, you not good enough to play a woman. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna we gonna say yeah, you not good enough to play a woman. The shit is crazy when you really learn history, bro. It's stupid that. Uh, it's, what? That's <laughs> what that, I'm a man, I'm right shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been here forever. Like, it's just, we did a movie review for The Color Purple. We trend, we related things that happened to Color Purple to how, how we see things today. And it, it's day and night. Yeah. You know? It's the same with learning history. You'll just see the shit that was happening then. Patriarchy was originated in the past. Mm-hmm. It's still to this day breathing loud and proud. Yeah. Right? So what? how are purposeful things how will you be different from what's not working is what i got from lamont uh from mark lamont's heels speech give queer people the opportunity to talk give give that educated black woman the opportunity to talk speak let them speak louder than these incompetent leaders that we currently have because they might be more competent we're not giving them the space to do so because we just continue this condition of patriarchy that that that's my full interpretation of you know no, I think I feel that, like, I, yeah I, I I feel that um even and you know again when it comes to being a Christian having conservative about like there are certain things that I you know believe in but it's just my belief 
But at the same time, it's like that doesn't take away from somebody else's personal experience, especially mm-hmm. when what somebody else is choose to do with their life is they like I have I have no care. Like that's you do your thing. Yeah, this is how I live life, and this is how I'm gonna live it. Live your life your way or whatever. But to his point, like even in to think that someone can't bring value because of a lifestyle that they live, right? Yeah. To think that oh he's gay or she's gay, so they can't like say what's right and wrong in the country or whatever. Like I, I think that that's unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people who are straight heterosexual that are terrible people. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. That imbalance for me is just like, yo, you know, we got to be uh, more open. And I know this probably can get cut up. I, I can't wait to somebody see this and be like, man, Tommy, he wanna, he he's on the gay agenda. <laughs> I don't care. Feel how you feel or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is people are people. And if we don't eliminate that ideology that because I'm a man, I'm right. Yeah. We'll never grow as, as people. Yeah. We won't. Now, can white people... Can white men be emasculated? Like, why ain't that ever a talking point? I don't. I think it's because of because of the history of it. The buck, like she talked about, it's. Can't you break buck a white dude? You can. I mean, I. I mean, can. I don't. I don't. Yeah, know. I, I think yeah. only their community can do that to themselves. Yeah. We don't. We're not. That's the thing with racism. Uh, black people, other marginalized groups, you cannot be racist. That's not the definition of racism. You have to have a line of power to be able to enforce oppression on others to be racist. Right. White people are the only ones that can be racist towards black people. Well, not black people, but marginalized groups. White people are the ones that are in power. Right, so, so in order for them to buck break their own, I mean, in order to emasculate a white man, they have to they buck have break to their, own. Do their yeah. own. So we back to my it. William Shakespeare thing, what if the men who was playing the women was the ones being emasculated? Well, I don't. We don't. I don't yeah. agree with it. I think yeah. it's just them just having patriarchy. Patriarchy there. And believe oh, that a woman okay. ain't good at playing a woman. Yeah, <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. Uh. So, I was talking with my girlfriend about uh, Christianity and homosexuality, and one of the things that I had said to her was, um, for anyone that believes that you know when, when you're gay, you're damned to hell. From my own personal life, I feel like I live a great life. I've done so much in my 26 years of life. Pop your um, shit. Right? And I think that I'm gay. I'm lesbian. Full out and proud about it, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why is my life so wonderful? If I'm supposed to be damned to hell, are you saying now that God will only make me feel the wrath of him when I'm dead? No. When I no longer can, like, I don't give a fuck no more. Well, that never made sense to me to say that people are damned to hell or they're not living, you know, the way of God. When I personally think I live a fucking great life, I'm breathing great air, and I won't have to worry about shit until I'm dead. And I'm you okay give with that. thanks to God for that? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, T, huh? like I said. Do you give thanks to God for that? Thanks to God for what? My life? For your life, yeah. Uh... I think you have to give thanks to yourself first before you give it uh, to God. Cause I think people forget that um, God gives you the uh, free will to do right first. And so um, I made the decision to not be in a fucked up position. Like I could have chose to get addicted to crack instead of getting addicted to academics. You feel me? And so I have to give thanks to myself first for making those decisions that God gave me. Right. And then I give thanks to God second. Cause okay. That's just my order of things. That's just your game. Yeah. 
Well, um, I don't know if y'all ever watched uh, Tim Ross before. Have you heard of him? Tim Ross. Tim, Tim Ross. Ross. He got a podcast called The Basement. Okay. So, I've heard of The Basement. Yeah. yeah. So he speaks to this topic, and um, it's been something that I've struggled with for the longest um, because knowing, like, the history of church and knowing, like, I've seen so many people that were, like, down low, that were gay and stuff, but they were still used in the church. Um, and, you know, every Sunday you'll get a preacher that'll preach, they'll preach against homosexuality, they'll preach against this, you know, yet the preacher is, you know, and every pastor ain't doing this. I'm just giving an example. The preacher is messing around with the congregation or there's, like, I got a thing against fat preachers. Mm. Like, I just, I can't listen to you. Okay. <laughs> because the Bible clearly talks about gluttony and you fat and you sitting up here trying to tell me I shouldn't saying. smoke weed or I shouldn't drink because my body is a temple and you destroying your temple by eating that pork chop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I've always had this tension, like, why do we harp on one sin and we don't focus on all of them? Yeah. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I struggle to agree with and to believe, right? But at the same time, because of my faith in God, I submit what I disagree with or what I don't believe into. Like, okay, God, when I get to heaven, we'll have a conversation about it and we'll figure it out from there or whatever. So when it comes to, like, homosexuality and things, I think that the Christian community has done a horrible job and has created this this hyper... uh, uh, the LGBTQAI um, community and made it like it's us against them. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot, I know a lot of homosexuals who are like, yo, this is just my lifestyle. I'm not out there trying to like demand everybody. But then there are the people who, who have been hurt. They've mm-hmm. been shunned and now they have a microphone in their hand. So now they can say, you did this to me, so I'm doing this or you did this. So like now it's like this boisterous, you know, response to all the times that you've told me that I was damned to hell, all the times that you told me that, you know, I, I'm, I'm evil and I'm despicable. Yeah. Like that's a natural response to anybody that you you've you've held them prisoner and then now they're free. That's a natural response to anybody to just be I'm gonna be everything you hated just to piss you off, mm-hmm. right? So I look at it from that aspect. Then I'm like, you know, God, I know people who are homosexual that are amazing people. Yeah, like they like. I would trust them with my kids more than I have. I would trust them to, you know, not backstab me and I can I can sit and talk with them and they can give me sound advice versus some of the people that I know. So it's like, how do you, you know, how do you hold the tension between the two? Yeah. And what I just came up with, like, man, let God be God. I'ma just love people mm-hmm. and let whatever lifestyle they choose to live, that's that's their opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be the best version of what I believe I'm supposed to be. I'm mm-hmm. not judging nobody, I'm not telling nobody who's going to hell. I'm going to do what I got to do. And then maybe if I continue to be the best version of what I'm representing, somebody will look at me and say, you know what? He's been solid all the way around, mm-hmm. right? He's never came at me. He's never said nothing crazy to me. I want to try what he's doing and see if that works for me. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I live my life. Okay. We can dig it. We can dig it. Your old ass. <laughs> Let's get groovy. <laughs> uh, I wanted to cross over to talk about some music topics. The biggest one that I wanted to talk about was... What's your favorite gospel song? I don't listen to gospel music. What's your favorite church song? What's your favorite Um, hymn to open up the service with? Right now, my favorite song that I listen to is called This Is The Gospel. It's by by Elevation Worship. Um, And it's it's a dope little bop. Um, I I sing it all day long. It's a really dope bop. I love it. 
Okay. Yeah. That wasn't the question though. Yeah, okay. that wasn't. All right. But okay. I do have a, 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 a my favorite gospel song. What is it? By the Walls Group. A word. You ever heard that song? I really don't listen to gospel music. I don't either. But <laughs> when I do, I'll be finding some shit that's fire. <laughs> you know. Some damn heathens, man. <laughs> no, I mean, gospel music ain't nothing. Me, my opinion. Gospel music ain't nothing but. It's depressing. R and B, but. R&B ain't nothing but gospel music. No. Gospel music came first. Okay, gospel came first, but gospel is only just the context. It's only yeah. just what it is what is actually about that makes it gospel music. I could just do R&B music and talk about oh, God. So, all right, to, to what you just said. Okay. You're doing gospel music. Gospel music should be talking about God. Like, so this is where I, because I'm a musician, yeah. and I struggle with, like, when I used to write songs and... They would be like love songs or stuff about like stories like it was deemed secular or worldly. And I'm like, God, why would you give me these amazing lyrics mm-hmm. if I'm not supposed to share it? Yeah. So like I would try to take all my sons. This is like when I had first get, came to Christ, I became like this Jesus freak. So I tried to turn all my <laughs> R&B songs uh-huh. instead of saying baby, baby, baby. I'm saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Same, whatever. But then like something hit me was like, yo, that's not what I gave you. So I start redoing my music the way that it, it was originally given to me mm-hmm. and I start seeing the God in a lot of the music that I was writing even in the love songs right how to love properly right how to you know uh express you know family values how to express like you know when you commit a sin or when you do something dumb or like how do you come back from that like mm-hmm. that's that's scripture like that's biblical you know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. that's how i look at it now like a lot of gospel music is really depressing for me is which is why i don't listen it's always i ain't have enough money to pay my rent or yeah. you know what i'm saying I, i'm dying i got cancer this like man like i don't want to listen to that uh-huh. but i mean salute to my gospel artists i mean i listen to christian music there is a difference um but like what's the difference like i just explained it like the the gospel is like really like the black people music yeah you know okay. what i'm saying the foot stomping hand clapping choir directors and all that other stuff christian christian contemporary music ccm um is more just like and you know they have their vices too where it's it's, it's extremely emotional mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so like I've, i'm somewhere in the middle of the two so okay so negro spirituals right yeah that was it that existed before gospel existed okay negro spirituals the context of it was not too much gospel is more so about the circumstances that they're currently living. Right. Right. You, you would you would you say that Negro spirituals was the first form of R and B, rhythm no. and blues? No. No. What about you, Tommy? I'll say it's the first form of gospel though, hmm. and then I'll say R and B spun off of gospel. I would say that I, I disagree. I I'll think, say I'll, I'll say this though. Okay. I'll say R and B is the grandchild of Negro spirituals. Or the great grandchild. Yeah, I'll say great grandchild because I throw jazz somewhere in there. Jay. Yeah, I understand that logic of thinking because the Negro spirituals, like everything, like from black music, I feel like in America comes from that uh-huh. in some sort of way. Everything comes from black people. Yeah. Everything. So okay, I'm a, I'm gonna do a compromise. Okay. Gospel and R and B come from Negro spirituals. That's a yeah. fine. That's a All good right, middle. Cool. That's a good middle. Yeah, look at us, look could, at us I, listening to I, I, understand. I, I, I can you fuck know? with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to talk about just uh, when you started as a gospel artist and then you crossed over to be secular. Why was that always the biggest no-no for a gospel artist to do? 
because they say you taking something sacred and and making it secular, which secular don't even mean like what people be thinking it means. Secular just simply means like not religious or whatever. Yeah. But in our community, anytime you go from um, going from gospel to R and B rap, whatever it may be, it was like you selling your soul to the devil. Mm-hmm. Which I got a huge thing on that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there was a big movement back in the day that Christians started. It was still holds up to this day. Mm-hmm. Where they said everybody worshiped the devil, and that's why you shouldn't listen to to anything outside of gospel. Uh-huh. And I never rock with that. I'm uh-huh. like, yo, y'all don't know these people. Y'all yeah. don't know what these people do outside of this. So how can you say somebody worshiped the devil or sold they sold to the devil? Number one, you can't sell your soul to the devil. Like, who do you call when you're ready to sell it to? Uh-huh. Like, I've been trying to you know figure what I'm out saying? my whole life. <laughs> like, where, where is the receipt? Who do I can I can I return it? You know what I'm saying? You oh. know, so you I, I the whole selling your soul to the devil, I, it was a scare tactic that I believe that Christians did the same way they did with rock and roll um, was a scare tactic to keep kids from listening to anything outside of uh, gospel music because they feared it would taint them or whatever. Yeah. Now, it's some wild, crazy stories. Like to, I ain't going to say that it don't happen, mm-hmm. but the way that the Christian world spent it was just like a scare tactic to keep us from engaging in Beyonce, engaging in anything else that was like, Good, honestly, because gospel music was whack. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't get mad at me because I want to listen to Michael Jackson, and my next best thing is some dude talking about, you know, uh, I don't want nothing, but I don't want no peanut butter and jelly. I just want my soul to be saved. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Y'all, you know? Have y'all ever heard of Hotel Hallelujah? Yeah, that at, uh, at that church in Monster. Yeah, yeah. All, all the rappers and R&B artists went to hell. Yeah. Like, every single last one. They had Aaliyah come out there. I'm like, there's no way she goes to hell. Imagine went this. To hell. Imagine this. You, imagine you Beyonce, right? Yeah. Beyonce and went to hell. Imagine you Beyonce. And like you just You know Maybe you ain't the best Christian But like one day You're like You know what I want to give my life to Christ Yeah And then you go to this church And you see this This dude This nigga saying Beyonce is the devil Yeah Beyonce is going to hell Beyonce Nigga I ain't coming to this church yeah. nigga, You know what I'm <laughs> saying what, How does that even draw people Like I just hate The Christianity that we live in It's like We damn everybody We condemn everybody And nobody's like Yo I don't agree with your lifestyle But let me show you through my lifestyle a better way. Yeah. If you rock with it, you rock with it. If you don't, that's your decision. Mm-hmm. You know, you I'm glad you brought up Beyonce because at the play they had Destiny's Child come perform, <laughs> and I'm almost certain they did Soldier. And at the end of it, Beyonce and Kelly went to hell, and then Michelle stayed on stage and did whatever gospel song she did, and then went to heaven. And I was like, my wait. mom ain't. Wait, wait, wait. What's up, man? I'm a little confused. What's up? This was a play? Yeah, yeah. it was a play. It was they a, have, they okay. had Marion. They had, the real people or no, fake no, people? No, no, it was okay. a play. All right, I get it now. Yeah. I get it. Okay. Biggie and Tupac shot each other on stage. Okay. <laughs> Selena manager shot her on stage. That was, was kind of traumatic now that I think yes, about it. it was. <laughs> I thought I was. The only one that felt this? that. I'm pretty, be. I'm pretty sure you can find it somewhere. On it was a full production, so I'm pretty sure somebody had to be recording it. Yeah. Wait, this, this, what was this at? It this was be. at the Family Christian Center. Oh, I, I think oh, I don't say names, right. but okay. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. That was the last time I ever let my mom take me somewhere like blindly. Yeah, because I'd never heard a hotel Hallelujah before that, and she yeah. was like, "You want to go?" I'm like, yeah. "Sure." My mom never. Oh, it was, me it wrong. was the thing. It was where you take all your kids to to scare them from listening to anything outside. Gee, of I, it was packed. I'm like, "Gee, how did I? How did I not know about this?" Yeah. 
I've been there one time. Because the Family Christian Center not small. Yeah, so like for, for that to be packed, I'm like, It gee. was packed, yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. It was That's a whole funny. full... Yeah. I'll never forget it because it was when B2K was hot and yep. they had a Marion and all of them on stage. I'm talking about the people look just like them. Oh my Move gosh. Like they is like Flames coming up on stage. They, gee, they made an announcement. They was like, clear everybody stay out the aisles because woo, woo. What's this called? Hotel, Hotel Hallelujah, Hallelujah, I think. Hotel. It was like Hotel, Hotel Hallelujah versus something. Or yeah. maybe just type in Hotel Hallelujah Family Christian Yeah, Center. Family Christian that's, that's, That should be enough. This was insane. It was a yeah. full, whole production. You would have thought you was at a concert. Yeah, this was like old, maybe 0405. I went in 2005. Yeah. I, I was in the seventh Heartbreak grade. Hotel. Yeah, that's what it is. It's Heartbreak Hotel. Bro, no way this is on YouTube. This is wild. <laughs> No way. I mean, they got a promo video, but oh <laughs> two years ago, so that means they still, they still doing, doing it. They must got Drake and all of them oh on God, their Cardi B. <laughs> oh, bro, that has to be it. Yeah, that is exactly it. That, that, is, is, that yes, is it. That is it. Mind you, they sung the whole song. They <laughs> they did the whole performance of these people' music. Look at all them kids going to hell. <laughs> I need to script through this, see if I see Beyonce. Hold on. <laughs> nah, this is, is this a rehearsal. Where's the part where they go to hell? Cool it's cool kids, kids versus geeky kids. <laughs> okay, so this is probably just a practice. Yeah. Oh, that's man. exactly how the stage is. Oh, this Gee, this is insane. They got a car. Did you see the car? Bruh. Prince is there. Hey, they not sending them off to the jail. They got horses. I had no idea they were still doing this. Yeah, they still doing it. Refuge Productions. <laughs> I kind of want to go there. <laughs> hey, let's find a date. I only want to go to see Cardi B. <laughs> I only want to go to see Cardi B go to hell. The hypocrisy, man. This is stupid. <laughs> Why nobody has told them on a the creative team? This is stupid. Bro, they had a G-Wagon, a Bentley, Horses. horses you could feed a whole entire gary neighborhood off that stuff alone you want to know what's crazy and it just speaks to how hypocritical and racist christianity is in america so they've been doing this for years uh -huh. and people celebrate it right uh -huh. and they send everybody to hell i don't know if you remember last year the preacher mike todd he got a lot of flack because he did a presentation that was similar to this on easter and, like, I'm talking about they, oh, man, this guy, he's going to hell, and he's a terrible pastor, and he's this or whatever. Uh -huh. And, like, this, this white pastor, you what know what I'm saying? What did he do exactly? 
it was it literally was almost the same thing as that. But, but yeah, Hibbs was performers more performers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, performance and everything. But Hibbs was more so like a redemption a redemption type thing. It was it wasn't like we sending all these people to hell. It was like, yo, we we redeeming these people. Right? Okay. But his stuff was like, oh man, you know, he's a terrible preacher and everybody's there going to hell. No, that's insane. Cause this, this is insane. Because the other one, you went to hell, yeah. and then the next performer just came. Like there was no, there was no message. There was no come try to find the light. There was no you it perform was, this song. You you're go going to hell. to hell. If you like this music, you're going to hell. Everyone went what? to hell. I need everyone to bring their CDs to the altar. This, this type of stuff. <laughs> bring your Jay Z CDs to the altar. We're going to burn them. We're going. You got any drugs? Bring them to. Always wonder what they did when people brought their drugs to the altar. Mm-hmm. Like, do y'all get rid of them? Man, do y'all you know call the police? Did. Like. Man. Like what if what if you was that deacon that was taking out the trash at the people with their drugs and the police just pop up? What you gonna say? Hey man, put them drugs. Hey, they not mine. I just got them off the altar. Like, <laughs> like you going down, brother man? If, if a man came to church with crack cocaine in his pocket. And you say, bring it here. Let me burn it for you. You don't think that man is addicted to be able to come to church with crack in his pocket? <laughs> Take him to a, a center, sucker. To your point, if I got caught with that, I'm snitching. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Hey, this guy that goes to our church bought this here. Yeah. I don't know how long he's been using. I got his whole information in the ledger. Y'all can call him, go to his address. He Everybody might got more. getting snitched on. God. The pastor put me up to it. I never knew this was a thing. Now I got to go on a deep dive. This is crazy. Okay. Yeah, I, I went to the one in seventh grade, and it was very traumatic. Yeah. It so, was like a 12 to 1 ratio of, like, artists go who went to hell and who went to heaven. Yeah. Have you all ever paid attention to a Lil Nas X video, music video? I love no. Lil Nas X. Okay. I implore you to please go watch his first one. Where, I think it's called Ontario, yeah. the, the first one where he went to hell, and then watch the recent one, uh, uh, G, uh, Christ J or J Christ J Christ his that one is where he comes from hell it comes back to heaven and this is both Lil Nas X yes okay yes he's artistic he's telling the story that's how I viewed it when I first saw the I didn't get no oh he worships the, I saw oh this dude's telling the story yes that's it yes yes <laughs> what's your favorite Lil Nas X song uh, <laughs> uh was it Scoop I don't know with, with I don't Doja Cat I work out to that one. Yeah. Okay. Some How hard ass verses on them songs. I'm ten. I'm just trying to be the daily scoop, scoop. <laughs> Never heard it. That whole listen. That whole album slap. It's, it is. That whole it's a album slap. It's you a listen to a whole little yes, Nas. X I album? listen to a whole little Nas X he's album. Really working good. Out. Y'all the, the nigga it can rap. The and nigga he, is good. What's your favorite bar then? I, I don't pick, even know Jay-Z's favorite bar. I don't have a favorite bar from okay. a nigga, you know? I mean, you know, just something that stood out to you. Nah, He's probably nah. the greatest troll, too. Like, yes. I, I commend him on his ability to troll people. Yeah, I think that it was... Do y'all know his original Twitter page? No. Lil Nas Mirage? Oh, okay. He was cosplaying <laughs> okay. as a woman for, like, years, and then somebody aired him out. <laughs> That's why he started rapping, and then, uh, what was that, the, the Horses in the Back song dropped? That ain't why he started rapping. Yes, it is. Oh, it ain't. That's that's my theory. <laughs> okay, that's the lie I'm putting out into the world. <laughs> okay, okay. But that page was real. That was, that was really him. Yeah, but what? Is the, that's that's why I'm like, what do Christians really want from people that go against what they think they how they should be living? Like a gay man, you tell him that he's damned to hell. He make a video going to hell, and then you tell him that he 
Why the fuck you do that? And, you he, t- and he killed the devil in the end. Yeah, he killed that. the devil. <laughs> so, so I listen. I have these. I'm like, man, y'all. Like, what? Do, what do y'all want? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just, okay? He's going to hell. Okay, I'm gonna go to hell. You can't go to hell. Like, what? What do you want him to but do? But you told me that's where I'm supposed to be going. <laughs> Why can't I go to hell? <laughs> oh man. Okay. Now, uh, the same question I posed for after you are emasculated. What's next? When you start as a gospel artist and then you cross over to mainstream, what's next? Can you come back home? Yeah, you can come back home. the The biggest storyline of Christianity is redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care how. Listen, you know this. Did it. I about to say you notice how Our every Kelly time an artist get in trouble or they, they do something back. dumb, yeah. they release a, a Christian album. Yeah, you say me and, came out and right we after just eat it up. Peed on that girl, yeah. and oh, we and this is this is, again. I got a lot of gripes with Christianity. I know I may sound like a bitter old man, but. When Kanye West did what he did, mm-hmm. what he I, do? when he when he when started he, Sunday Sir, yeah. I loved oh. it. But what I hate about it was that Christians just like two. I hate two things. I hate the Christians that said like he can't speak about God, and I also hate the Christians that pushed him to a platform of leadership. Yes, when this dude just came to Christ, right? Yes, when he started saying like, "Man, I ain't never singing none of my old songs again." My, I went back to when I first came to Christ. Mm-hmm. I was a saint, man. I got to do everything, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Had he had somebody there, like, "Hey, man, it's cool. Like, it's a day to day journey. You ain't got to, you can eat a cold turkey. It. Like, yeah. just ease into it." Yeah. <clears throat> when people jump into Christianity, cold turkey, especially new believers, they have it the hardest time because they. The moment that they mess up or slip up, it's like, oh man, I can't be redeemed or I can't, I'm not saved no more. Like, nah, you made a mistake. That's part of the journey. Get up, keep walking, keep moving forward, make better decisions and and, and keep going forward. Yeah. But with Kanye West, we thrust him, him into this spotlight of like giving him a microphone to talk. Yo, this dude ain't even like let him grow a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Let him let him experience some things and be behind the scenes, coaching them and counseling them and, and things like that. Yeah. So that's like I said, when when Christians mess up or when they finally get that, they stuff they come. I mean, the R and B artists, the rappers, they come to Jesus and we just get them the the, the red roll the red carpet out for him and let them do whatever. Yeah. So how you feel about Mace going from rap to being a preacher? Um, I respect Mace because he's being himself. Okay. Um, I think if more Christians, and it's a journey, like that's the part I, I hate that people don't understand. Number one, your walk with Jesus, your walk with Christ has nothing to do with me. I don't, I'm not going to judge your walk. If you tell me that you're a believer, all right, if that's, if, if you, if that's between you and God. They ain't got nothing to do with me. I can't judge you. I ain't got no heaven to hell to put you in or whatever. But it's a day-to-day journey. You don't just break away from habits that you didn't have your entire life overnight. So for some people, you know, it, it can happen overnight. But for some people, it's a 13, 14, 15-year journey for them to get to that place where it's like, okay, now I'm here and I'm I'm a solid believer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, with Mace, he went through, he was a rapper, then he came to Christ, and then he realized, like, yo, this thing ain't it. You know, they they say he he played with it or he was <laughs> in it for the money. Listen, ain't no money, it's, it's, it, at least in the black community. Mm-hmm. And where okay. Mace was at, ain't no money in church. Like Christian artists, one thing that I learned because I used to want to be a Christian artist and I pursued it. I'm talking about I was on the red carpets, rubbing elbows with different artists and stuff like that. Ain't no money in Christian music. Mm-hmm. Like most of these Christian artists, what they do and how they get on the charts and they make money, they'll put out a song and then they'll get their church of 300 to 1500 people to buy that song just so they can chart. 
I'm at the Stella Awards, right? <laughs> and I'm interviewing people on the red carpet. And, you know, they were like, hey, man, make sure you listen to their music before they come so you can have questions to ask them. So, you know, people walking up, I get their name, I go to the side, listen to their music. And I'm like, yo, this is poorly produced. Like, it sounds mm-hmm. horrible. How did you even get nominated? Well, mm-hmm. they got nominated because they got a, like 1,500 people to buy their stuff. And that's right. all you need to uh, top the charts. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Christian charts and why people was really mad at Kanye, because Kanye had an audience outside of Christians. So no matter what, all his music is going to stay number one for the next 25 to 30 years because that's how bad Christian music is. Right. So <clears throat> ain't no money in it. So when people are like, oh, Mace was in it for the money, he ain't make no money being no Christian. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't make no money being no pastor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Dang, he picked a broke route to a broke route because <laughs> it ain't no money in rap either. He went back to rap before he started podcasting. It's more money in rap than it is in Christian music. Oh, yeah. man, it really ain't no money in Christian music. <laughs> so, What's up, T? Uh, the last thing I wanted to speak on was just ties, right? Ties is when you give your 10% to the church. Could you debunk some myths about ties for, for us before we move forward? Yep. The number one myth about ties is that when you give it, God bless you with more, and there's context to it. I don't think, this is just my belief, I don't think that God blesses you with more for you to have more. Mm-hmm. It's always for you to give more, like give to your community, give to people in need, you know what I'm saying, help people. But thinking that if I pay tithes, God going to bless me with a new car, God going to bless me with money, mm-hmm. that's the, the myth that a lot of people believe in. You hear preachers, man, God told me to tell you if you, if you get this right now, he going to bless you with a new house, he going to bless you with a husband. That's bogus as hell. <laughs> I done seen people give, and because they gave, and some knucklehead sitting in church and heard them say that, oh, man, I know exactly what to say to this woman. Now, hey, I'm your husband. I'm your, I am man. I done seen yes. people yes. give and go to the car lot and get a car that they can't afford and to get repossessed in three months. Uh-huh. Like, the, uh, the blessings of God add no sorrow. Yeah. So the, the tithing thing, I don't, the way that it's structured or the way that it's presented in the church today, I don't believe in it. Okay. I believe in the principle of tithing because I believe in the principle of generosity. Yeah. If you give, it's going to come back to you for you to give more to other people. And so this is why I'm always generous mm-hmm. and not because I want to get something, but I genuinely love helping people. Yeah. I genuinely love seeing people like blessed, seeing people like happy. So I give because I, I, I feel like, you know, it come, I remember this one time I was in church and I had just took the money out to pay my rent. Right. It was like, Eight hundred something dollars, and I'm in church. The good days, <laughs> right, right. Them good, the good days. days. Eight hundred something dollars. So I'm sitting in church. The next morning, I was going to pay my rent. I literally heard God tell me, "Put all of that in offering." The preacher ain't tell me to do that. I literally heard God tell me to do that. So I'm sitting there like, man, like God, like that's my rent money. Like, yeah. and I'm married at the time. On on top of that, uh, my no. wife's sitting across the across the pool, so I ain't have a conversation with her about yeah. it. So I'm like, man, should I do this? But I felt led to do it, and I did it. On drive back home, I'm driving. You know, we, hey, hey. Um, by the way, uh, she's like, yeah. So in the morning, I said, yeah, about that. Um, I put that in church, man. She she chewed me out. Yeah. Like we had a big fight about it. But I'm like, yo, like. I know what I heard. And I'm not one of them people, you can't fool me. Ain't no preacher about to manipulate me to give money in church. Yeah. But I know I felt it and I heard it. And this is your church home. This is my church home. Y'all go here. Yeah, we go there or whatever. So I kid you not, that next week, 
She gets a phone call from Purdue North Central. She was there at the time. She couldn't go. She was trying to transfer back in there. She couldn't get back in there because they said she owed a balance or whatever. She gets a phone call. said, hey, um, I don't know. There was something that, that happened where you no longer have a balance and we owe you money. So I ended up sending her like a $1,500 check. Mm. On top of that, her car, something, I think it was her engine or something went bad. That next day, I get blessed with a bunch of money to be able to get her car fixed, and we have money, like, double what we needed to pay our rent or whatever. Mm -hmm. So from that point on, anytime I hear from God, like, I just follow it. Mm -hmm. I don't, when I sit in church and I hear preachers say, there's a blessing if you give $7, if you give $20, the Lord going to bless you. I'll be like, yeah, nah, nigga, I ain't, (laughs) (laughs) you ain't getting that up out of me because God ain't told me nothing. I actually just shared a TikTok. It's probably going to get me in trouble where I said that. (laughs) I said, God ain't told you shit (laughs) to tell me that he ain't told me yet or whatever. And that's just how I rock. Like I believe in God. And if he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm not moved by you. And a lot of Christians in today's society, they have abused that tithing thing to, you know, you notice they start preaching about tithing around tax season. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? You know, the pastor and the first lady's church anniversary is around tax time. You it's know always what I'm in the, the early <laughs> so spring or late sta- winter. All y'all started y'all church in February. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, people have used that tactic and they'll, they'll guilt people like, if you don't, if you don't pay, if you don't pay your tithes, God going to take it away or he going to put a hole in your pocket. Nah, the scriptures say be cheerful when you give. So if I'm giving grudgingly, like I really don't want to get this, but I'm giving it so you don't punch me. God don't want, he'd rather you keep that. Yeah. So I'm like, man, the, the church has done a terrible job at like telling people like, hey, if I was a pastor, like, hey, keep your money. Mm-hmm. All right. If you don't want to give, don't give your money because I don't want you getting mad at God because you gave all your money and nothing happened. Yeah. But if you feel <laughs> the Lord telling you to do this, by all means, do what you hear the Lord. If you convicted by this, do what, what the Lord has led you to do. Yeah. Um, but that tithing thing, I, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't agree with it. Yeah. Um, but I agree with the principle. I pay my tithes mm-hmm. and I know that it works for me, just that principle of generosity, but the way that we present it in the, the in church today, I think it's, it's, it's been manipulative and people are getting abused by it. Yeah. Now what's God's voice like? Like, what do he sound like? God to, to me, yeah. he, he talks through anything. Like I can be watching a, a movie, right? And something that I prayed about, something I've been praying about, and I watched a movie, and in that movie, they say a line that confirms something that I've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be listening to a song, and then in that song, it'll say something along the lines of something that I've been praying. It's just random stuff. Or I'll look out a window, and I'll see a billboard. Like, that's, for me, that's how I listen to the voice of God. It ain't like this big, I'm God. See, you God know? sounds like Denzel Washington in my head. <laughs> <laughs> like I ain't gonna hold. Do you, you. got a Denzel Washington impression? No, I not love. At all. I, I love people who yeah, can do Denzel Washington impression. They start flipping in their lip. <laughs> they do that, that little thing with their yes. fingers. I've always been bad at <laughs> <in> impressions. <laughs> I never could do impressions. That's one. Th- that's like one of the highest forms that I think of. Like is comedy. It's like you being an imp- you being able to impersonate yeah. someone. Oh. Right, Jay? Did we say that? Yep. Did we say that? Maybe it makes sense to put a comedian in a dress because them niggas got the skill of an impersonation compared I don't to think a I Denzel Washington. Did I? You did. Oh. You did. Okay. <laughs> you figured me out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, the tithing thing from for me, I never understood it. One, I was the kid that 
We sat front row or close to the front row every Sunday. My mama wanted to be in the front. She wanted to be, you know, she wanted to look good, you know. Mm. And I would fall asleep. Did your mom wear the big hats? Nah, nah, Okay. Nah, nah. She, she wasn't that deep in it. She, she wasn't a mother. She, she couldn't afford none of that. <laughs> and I would fall asleep in church, and I'd get pinched and slapped and get the fuck up to my end. Now I'm crying and trying not to cry at church because... <laughs> They put you on the altar and act like that crying because yeah. you got the Holy Ghost. So, no, my mama just beat me. <laughs> so I hated church growing up until I got older. We moved to Hammond and then I'm like uh, freshman, sophomore in high school now. And I understand the stuff that's being said. And they're also talking about political things on the stand instead of just church, church, Bible, Bible, just Bible thumping. And so you related basically what the word is saying to now realities of the world because i don't know shit about what a- abraham was doing yeah. that don't make no sense to me because right now i live in, i live in Hammond, indiana yeah. you feel me <laughs> so, and, and they telling me that i need to take my sat i don't know what the <laughs> hell and how moses spread the seed but that don't make no sense to me so i love when i got older and church started to relate what is being said in the word to real world circumstances today uh and so the thought of capitalism right Church, capitalism is in the church home, and that is through ties. I, I think I've said this before in the part where I say anyone that chooses or say that they want to be a billionaire uh, don't quite understand why being a billionaire is a poor thing to want for yourself. Because for you to be a billionaire, you have to take from people to be, to be able to accumulate that much wealth. And so you, I think you should change your thought of wanting to be a billionaire to be a, someone that can be able to afford to live without need and want and be able to give. <clears throat> and so when I think about ties, I think about how a pastor telling you, oh, give all that you got. Come down here and give all <laughs> that you got. When that pastor got crazy bleak, the greatest suits, and I barely kids, can afford a turtleneck. Kids, beautiful. Yes. Beautiful children. They always got an e, <laughs> a E-class being. Yes, yes. And, and you telling me to give all that I got when you got enough. And I don't have anything to feed myself for the next day. So where are you going to now give to me? You Niggas going to say you pocket watching. Yeah. I, wrote a, I wrote a book called Church Hurt. And basically the book is about how to navigate that space of like, maybe you was traumatized by the church. You've been abused by the church. You've just been disappointed. And uh, I had several stories in there that were real stories. And um, one of the stories about a guy who his mom was a day one member of the church. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about from conception level to build the church up to where it was at, right? Faithful, you know what I'm saying? There almost every day, paid her tithes, gave money when she couldn't afford it, gave her food stamps when it needed. And their mom, uh, there was a situation where she couldn't afford to pay her bill. So, you know, you would think if my mom has been this this much of an asset, surely y'all got a way to help her out. So he goes to her and says, hey, listen, can y'all help out? And their response is nothing that we can do for her. Anybody that that would happen to, like, it would crush them and it would make them lose faith in Christianity. Because, like, yo, you mean to tell me my mama paid for the majority of the stuff in here, whether it was with her money or her time, and y'all can't help her with a few hundred dollars to pay her bill or this? And this ain't to say that the church, well, really, the church should be that. But it it ain't to say that, like, the church is responsible for people who mismanage their money and stuff like that. But if there is a need, a church should at least be able to look look through their finance and say, hey, okay, we can find this here. We can help out here. This is at least, or we can't do it all, but we can help with a little bit. Yeah. But to say we can't do nothing for you, mm-hmm. 
a lot of people have that story. Mm-hmm. They didn't put time, sweat, equity into these churches. And when it comes time where they need something or they need help, the church looks at them like, oh, they're disposable. And then when a person go on a rant, oh, that person's demonic or they, you know what I'm saying? They was they was unfit to be at the church. No, nigga, you you screwed them over. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? They have a right to feel the way that they feel. Yeah. And until the church can be real with themselves and be like, you know what? We've mismanaged people. Yeah. You know, we've done a terrible job at, you know, like making sure that people are okay and we've been treating people as if they were disposable or we can move on to the next person if this person don't do it. Mm-hmm. And to your point, yeah, capitalism is in the church. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just off the strength of that, you see these, you know, and I, I, I'm kind of on a fence with it, but you see these um, uh, mega churches that, you know, these pastors, these millionaires and, and stuff like that. And you like say, okay, what are y'all doing to the community? You want to know how they millionaires? The majority of the people that's working there, that's doing jobs that they should be getting paid of uh, uh, 60, 70,000 a year. They They're got doing people it for doing it for free, free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. under the guise of you serving the Lord. Yeah. Like, nah, pay them people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then when they can't do it or, hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm feeling sick. Hey, can y'all help y'all? Oh, man, your heart ain't in the right place. Yeah. You make people feel guilty. You asking yeah. the wrong person. What <laughs> yeah. you asking me for? <laughs> so it's like, that's how the church has established like this hierarchy of like having so much money. And, you know, and that's why, you know, and I this ain't, this is a shameless plug. The church I go to, I respect highly mm-hmm. because- He's not a one of like we have a big church, mm-hmm. but you when you come there, it feels like a smaller you you relate to people. People are there, they're nice to each other. The pastor ain't sitting on no pedestal. It's like y'all can't don't touch me, mm-hmm. don't touch my kids. He's in the crowd with the people. He he drives a regular. I, I forgot what he drives, but it ain't no fancy car. Uh, he's had the same car for the last thirteen years, mm-hmm. and definitely could like this past uh, year they've given cars to people, several cars to people. They even paid people bills, and like to see a church. That's really about the community. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, that's the way that the church should be. And it ain't just one race in there. There's black people, Mexicans, white people. Uh, it's some of everything in there. Yeah. And everybody's there. It feels like family. When you go to these other churches, where it's like these mega churches, predominantly one particular race, you know, they have their big donors on the front. Mm-hmm. You can't say certain stuff. You can't sing certain songs because we don't want to, we don't want to rub the donors the wrong mm-hmm. way or they ain't gonna give the money to the church the way that they need to give. So they it's like put on hotel hallelujah. <laughs> Right, you know. So the church has a lot of work to do when it comes to like just managing people and like honest, just being real. Like, yo, we we messed up. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, we've handled people wrong for generations. This is why a lot of the tension that we have with the homosexual community, the uh, with race relationships, we have a lot because we've mismanaged people. Yeah, thank you. I remember I had I was just shooting a bunch of shots when I was trying to get my first dick girl job after going away from being a freelance graphic designer and I actually applied to a church and I didn't know on uh, uh, LinkedIn. And so I'm doing the interview and they like, oh yeah, this is what we're going to do the interview. And it was a church. I'm like, oh, okay. So I pull up to the church. It was, with a, it was a church in Gary. Mm-hmm. And I told them that I wanted to minimum my salary asking was 50000 right? That's what I think my worth is. Right. And so the person that was basically my recruiter he was like, okay, tell me your demands. I tell him, he said, I'm going to give it to the pastor and the first lady. I even spoke with them in person because I got to the second round of the interview, I suppose. And they just put down 250000 on something new in the church, right? So you at least got 50000 to give to someone to spread throughout the year. You ain't giving them a lump sum. You're yeah. giving it to spread right. them throughout the year. They cost of living. 
Uh, and he was just like, you know, just tell me what you need. Uh, I tell him, talks to the pastor and them. They all asking me what's my salary when I finally see them at first. I tell them too. He's like, okay, cool. Never once told me to have any obligations or anything. Then I didn't get it because it cost too much for them. Right. right. I didn't care because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to work for a church anyway. I was just following through with me, them being interested. So long story short, I did see people on social media that are graphic designers for churches. And they talk so much about telling them, tell them, do it for free. You do this for the Lord, all that good shit. And I'm like, <laughs> like I know somebody that did that for yeah. free. Made great graphics. I'm like, bro, you don't get nothing. Yeah. Not not a dime. Yeah. Now, listen, if I want to do it for free, yeah. I'll do it for free. Uh-huh. But you ain't going to tell me you got to do this for free. Yeah. <laughs> and this yeah. ain't going to be no weekend, weekend yeah. out stuff. Like, you're going to get it when I feel like doing right. some stuff. Yeah. Oh, Easter coming up? Let me make an Easter graphic. Yeah. Juneteenth coming up? Let me make a Juneteenth graphic. This ain't going to be every Sunday. I was at a church where they treated their paid employees like volunteers and their volunteers like paid employees. You know, and you see these volunteers getting burnt out. And the response is, well, y'all heart ain't in the right place. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, nigga, they just had to serve for 16 Sundays straight. Yeah. Three services a Sunday. Yeah. And they, they babysit. They can't. You, you sure you can't come in today? No. You can do 16 more Sundays. <laughs> right. You got 20 more left in you. I think church needs to change their business plans to be similar to how life insurance works. Uh, so life insurance, you pretty much. Everybody pays a, a, a subscription to have life insurance to a life insurance company. And so you may never die that year. You might live to be 50. It'll be hella people that are uh, under that company paying towards them just in case they ever die to have their family protected. Right. And so that is how life insurance make money is from having a large scale of people uh, be insured underneath their company. So every month they get money from people, even though that these people won't will live to be 65 they get at least 52 uh plus to sit to their bank account every month right and so church have all of these followers giving tithes every single day not every month every single sunday you get a tie from somebody something of financial value Dang, you're sunday and you don't and have wednesday. nothing to give when one of those members need actual help from you now you should have a plethora amount to give to them when one of your your followers fall down. You should be able to come pick them up because mm-hmm. you have something from every Sunday from all of these followers that were able to give. Now, so how do now how do ties work? Like, so the people pay them, and then so the ties is supposed to go. You know, when you pay the the theory or the principle of it all is it goes to help the church. You know, fund like. Of course, keeping the lights and everything on, but their impact in the community and helping serve the orphans, the widows, and all that other stuff. That's what it's supposed to. Right. You know? But I, I'll say this for the church. They they have like they research, statistically speaking, only about twenty percent of people pay tithes in churches. Yeah. But even then, that's still a you know what I'm saying, the people that do pay, when you consider like how big some of these churches are, you get twenty percent and you still got a thousand, ten thousand people at twenty percent paying their tithes. You know, what I'm saying that's still a lot of money. But mm. how it's supposed to work is, you know, that money is supposed to help, you know, pay whatever the church needs to maintain, as well as push, you know, you know, Christ forward in the community, you know, in the people and, and things like that. So, how do the pastors and stuff get paid? They take from yeah the, what the church makes yeah. yeah. 
which I can agree <clears throat> with because it's just my opinion. I can agree with yeah. if the pastor is dedicated to the church and they're doing, you know, their due diligence, you know, they're at the call and they're making sure. But like when you get, because I hate when preachers, man, it's hard being a pastor. No, it ain't, dude. You only preach on Sundays. You don't mm-hmm. do nothing in the community. Mm-hmm. You don't talk to nobody. I can do that. Yeah. I right. can. Matter of fact, we got Chat GPT now. We can yeah. go in there and type in a little a prompt Love and give me a Sunday service. <laughs> give me a service. I'll just go repeat that or whatever. Yeah. But the, and it is sad because the bad preachers make it bad for the good preachers. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of good preachers out there that are legit about the community, legit about their people, legit about putting you know, the gospel and the people first before their needs. Um, and mega churches get a bad name because of the ones that are out there getting money and, you know, abusing people and taking advantage of people's situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are good preachers out there that do deserve, like, hey, if I'm going to do this full time, I need to focus strictly on that. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, we did a lot of church talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to finish out the rest of this episode to just talk about Tommy, Jonesy, J, and T, the human. You know, because okay, outside yeah. of you just being a believer of faith, you also are a father. Yeah. Uh, you are a mentor. So let's actually get to other aspects of being okay. Tommy. Cool. Uh, so you speak a lot about being uh, a divorcee. Yeah. I wanted to tap into some of the some of the main points that you really have with just trying to uh, heal and come from being divorced. Yeah. So I wanted to start with first, how did you get to your first marriage? What in you made you think that you was ready to be married for the first time? I was not married. I was not ready. Um, it was peer <laughs> pressure, honestly. From you know, who? Um, for me, from so I married the pastor's sister. You know. So this is what happened, you know. Um, she had just had a kid, you know, and she was in a bad relationship. Um, so they moved her up to Michigan City. And I had just started coming to the church, you know, and I'm this single guy, no kids. I'm in college. So it's, oh, man, this is a good guy. Mm-hmm. Let's set them up, play matchmaker or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So we meet, and then one thing led to another. We start dating, and within six months, we was married. Dumbest thing in the world. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, because they was hitting up because it was, was she like, pregnant. No, she wasn't pregnant. We weren't even having sex. Like, that's what's crazy. When I think, I said, man, I, sh- I should have been knocking that back or something. Like, <laughs> 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 but what happened was the optics was, man, a pastor's sister is out late, you know, with this guy. Yeah. What that's going to look like to all the other single women in the church, you know, it don't look good. Yeah. It's better to marry than to burn and stuff. And, you know, I'm young. I was 20. At the oh, time, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I'm impressionable. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, you know, we'll get married. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. It was two people who had, you know, even though I was this good guy, I still had baggage and trauma that that came with that. Yeah. So we never truly knew each other. And I honestly, after year one, not even year one, within six months, I knew I made the wrong decision. But because I come from a conservative household, you know, people stay married and Christian, you don't get divorced, right? All right. You know, what I'm saying you stay, you stick it out. Then I'm thinking about the statistics of divorced children are this much more likely to become addicted to this and this much more likely to end up in jail. So I'm like, yo, I can't get a divorce. Like, that's going to mess up my whole family or whatever. So I carried it out for 10 years, and then it just got to the point where, like, you know what? This ain't it. And what really did it for me was one day my daughter, she was like three or four at the time, 
It was at night. She come out of her room. She in, you know, smiling, laughing, come sit on my lap. She say, Daddy. I'm like, what? I heard you and Mommy in there arguing. And she had this big, the biggest smile on her face. Yeah. And it hit me yeah. like, yo, my daughter's going to think that that's the norm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's going to think that that's how people are supposed to be in relationships. And I said, I don't want that for my children. Yeah. So one thing led to another. A couple weeks later, I went and filed for divorce. You know, um, and did and you it, tell her beforehand that you no? Were doing and it? this this is the one thing I regret. I swear <clears throat> it was so petty, and I wish if I can go back in time, I would do it differently. I didn't tell her I was getting a divorce. You know, what I'm saying we had an argument. She said some wild stuff. The next day, I went down, filed for divorce. I came home for two weeks, like ain't nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Coming home, but coming off work. She gets served at her job, divorce papers. Damn. I know for a fact if she still hates me, that's one of the core reasons why she hates me or whatever. I definitely still hate you. <laughs> so if I could do that over again, I'll do that differently. You know what I'm saying? But you live and you learn. So you make mistakes. So but. why do you think that you did not say to her that you filed for divorce? Because... Honestly, I've never been asked that question, but if like, really? yeah, I've never been asked that question, but I can, it's funny. Cause when you asked, I knew exactly why I didn't tell her. Cause I wanted to hurt her mm. because she said such like the stuff that she said to me at that time, whatever, it made me feel some type of way. Okay. So it was my way of getting back at her. Okay. And you saying? already knew for the last nine years, you didn't want to be married. So yeah. doing that was probably a swift little move. It was, but, but at the same time, it was hard as heck because I thought even though I knew that that's what I wanted, mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff on the inside of me that I never dealt with that because I signed that that divorce, the divorce paper, it started coming out like, yo, I know you're getting divorced, but this ain't the reason why you was this way. Right. You know, so the, the first day when I moved out, I'll never forget it. I'm walking up my steps with three boxes full of my stuff for the last 10 years. I'm excited. New apartment or whatever. Walking up them stairs, I get to the middle of the steps and I look around my apartment and I start crying. So I'm like, yo, this is the reality of my life. Like, it was almost as if the apartment mirrored how I was really feeling on the inside. Empty, alone, cold, all of that stuff. And I'm like, yo, this is my life now. You know, and I cried, you know. And from that point on, I'm like, you know what? Now it's time to move forward. That's why I got the tattoo on my arm, keep moving forward. Um, Because it, it just taught me, like, yo... You can't change the past. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that you can do right now but move forward. So from that point on, I just start moving forward, doing the things that I need to make sure that I'm okay, not pointing the finger at her, working on the stuff that I got to deal with on the inside of me. And, like, when I went through it, it wasn't a lot of resources. And that's kind of why, you know, I'm the way that I am now because I want to help other men who's who's navigating that space alone. That's why I created the, the brand, the Born Again Basher. That's why I got the shirt on, mm-hmm. um, to help other men navigate life after divorce so they can achieve optimal peace and find purpose in the process okay so how has that been since you started uh board again bachelor oh it's been great man um i i've i've talked with a lot of men um like i said it's an underserved community and you know when women get divorced they get celebrated right you go girl you ain't need him <laughs> we having a divorce party yeah then you know they do the little face yeah i had to i had to upgrade and all this other stuff when a dude get a divorce it's just like it's his fault you know what I'm saying? Man, I'll be the one trying to throw the party. I'll be if like, he, shit. If he say anything about his divorce, oh, he bitter or he this or he. It's like, so it's no safe space for a man to like break down and feel those emotions that come with divorce. And I'm like, yo, 
it wasn't good for me. And I, I, I know that other men are experiencing that. So let me create this community to let men know, like, yo, it's okay. You know, maybe you were the reason you got a divorce. Maybe you did something dumb. Mm-hmm. Let's deal with that. Mm-hmm. What made you do that dumb thing? Let's figure out so you don't repeat that that pattern, that behavior again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My brand is all about focusing on what the man needs to do. We mm-hmm. ain't talking about what the ex did to you, how she made you feel. Why are you the way that you are? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we fix that. Everything else will fall into place. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I like, I like that. You, uh, the focus is on the core is on you and not anything, any other factor. Yeah. Cause I think we all get lost in trying to point blame. The faster you can come to just self, the <laughs> easier you can feel your figure yeah. out your issues. And I I don't know what the exact word is to try to get that process quicker to just self, but we we got to get to that part. Self accountability, yeah. Self awareness, self awareness, yeah. yeah, something like that. Somewhere we enough. we we jacked up. Everybody, I don't care how perfect your life is. There's always a part of you that something traumatic happened that makes you respond the way that you respond. Yeah. And until you deal with that, you're going to keep responding. That's why you see people, you know, being three, four, five different Facebook relationships every other month. Mm-hmm. They got a new new king, a new queen. It's like, Boy. yo, like, yo, you you got something that, like, you got to deal with that. Yeah. But them people who ain't never been single since high school <laughs> and they're 36. Yeah. Like, you ain't tired yet? <laughs> My question has always been, like, where exactly how can I be a support for those people that I know like I feel like I can tell them what they got going on but I don't think that I'm the person for it I think you are the one that has to tell yourself yeah I was assaulted when I was a child and this is why I'm promiscuous you know I don't think that it has it comes from others it comes from yourself so how do I be a support on the outside of watching this person damage themselves because they haven't figured out what I think I figured out for them you know well, um, you when when they are in those behaviors, you don't necessarily have to call out the root of it or why. Yeah. Just call out the behavior. Yo, that's not cool. Like yeah. you shouldn't be doing that. Encourage them. Hey, maybe you you want to go to therapy. Like, and I, I say this because therapy ain't easy to access. Yeah. You know, and people sometimes that becomes a scapegoat or people use it in a condescending way. You need to go to therapy or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But you know. As a friend, you should be like, hey, man, maybe you should go to therapy. And y'all try to find resources to get there. Because honestly, I didn't find a root of a lot of my issues until I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. So um, I was, I would say I was addicted to pornography. Um, I was super sexually, like, curious and all this other stuff, right? And I couldn't, I just thought, because they would tell, that's boys would be boys. That's how boys are or whatever. But I found out going through therapy um, when I was three years old, I got molested. Mm. I like I like I I blocked that memory out of my head from three to six. Like from three years old, my next memory was me coming home on my sixth birthday from school. Okay. So when I went to therapy, we get into the root of things, and then um, this image just came back of you know I was living in Chicago. We went to go visit my grandma's house. Um, back then, you know, it wasn't no big thing. Kids can go outside on their own. We yeah. weren't worried about people getting kidnapped or whatever. Yeah. Right. So this project that my granny lived in, in like the inner courts, you can see like the playground and all that other stuff from the back balcony. So me and my cousins, we all out there. I'm sitting on a little curve thing, and this woman comes to me, and I remember it clear as day. She had like this golden brown skirt on, skinny black woman, afro, um, had this black camisole, and she smelled like cigarettes. She picked mm-hmm. me up. <laughs> she picked me up and she said, I'm your mama's friend Mm -hmm. and I remember her picking me up and walking me to her apartment I don't remember anything after that right so from three to five or three to six my mom told me I didn't talk Mm 
Mm-hmm. I had to go to speech therapy and all this other stuff. So I just thought I was a mute or whatever. Yeah. Right. But that was a trauma response. And I didn't even realize that when I was a kid. And unpacking that in therapy was just like, yo, this is the reason why, you know, you're you in first grade, you you knew that a penis goes into a vagina. Yeah. And you've never seen it on TV or you've never seen it in a book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you knew this stuff as a kid. So when you go to therapy and you get the help, you start unpacking, okay, this is the reason why I'm this way. Like a lot of people who are promiscuous, that's that's their story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I just shared that on here, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it tends to happen on club culture. <laughs> no, I have a not exact story because everybody's story is different, but same with me off. Came on a pod because I had a dream for the first time ever, and I was 25 of when a cousin was trying to assault me. And I've never dreamt about this since it, I, I, I want to say I was in middle school or fifth grade when it happened. And I never had dreams or anything until I got to 25. And I'm like, why are dreams coming now about something that happened? When I was in fifth grade. And I went to my counselor. She said, You could have PTSD. And I always thought PTSD was for. Soldiers in war, like <laughs> you know, and it took for really G Herbo to start talking about PTSD because maybe he went through the whole same thing. Like I'm seeing so many people die in my communities from gun violence. I got PTSD, and that's when I started seeing PTSD as something more than just somebody in war, you know. And uh, and I can vi- vividly re- uh, tell you the the whole act of it happening. Like you can't you blanked out uh, at one uh. Three. three, yeah. At three, I could tell you exactly what the fuck happened, where it happened, what I had on. I could take show you a picture of that same outfit because my mama used to dress us. We was all around the same age, so she used to dress us in the same thing, just different colors of that same outfit. <laughs> and that same outfit, I've only wore like probably three times before in my life, and that was one of those days where I wore that outfit. I could tell you everything. <clears throat> and so my next step in, in my whole journey of trying to heal from. This extreme PTSD that I have with molestation and sexual assault is to just go talk to the people that didn't commit the act. I mean, like they tried to do it, but they did, they wasn't able to successfully do it because I fought it off. Yeah. To go talk to those people and, and, and say to these people, hey, you did something to me, and I want to make sure that you understand the gravity of what you was doing and, and, and see if, if you rehabilitated from that urge to want to do that to somebody. Because wow. I've learned that those same people have done it to other people and they completed the act. And so I need to make sure that there's no more broken souls out here that you're touching. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the next step of my journey. So I, what do you think is uh, something that you feel like you have to overcome for you to get a better uh, grasp of just that uh, that trauma that you have? In my situation, um, what made it harder was like I don't even I, – I remember the woman – I can't tell you who she is. So yeah. I never had the luxury of being able to go back or even telling my mom it was her. Yeah. So I had to come to grips like, yo, this thing happened. And it, it goes back to what I said earlier about just accepting the reality of what happened and moving past it. Yeah. It's nothing that I can change now. It's all about, okay, that happened, Tommy. Is you going to either, you going to let that be a crutch that you can lean on, well, I'm this way because of this, or you're going to get rid of that crutch and say, okay, I'm going to learn how to walk with this limp. Yeah. You know? So uh, that was what I had to do. Okay? It happened. Now I use my story to help other people, to mm-hmm. to share. Like, somebody may watch this, and they be like, you know what? Especially men. Yeah. We talked about being emasculated, yeah. right? You know, even though that happened with a woman, that still was, you know, it was traumatizing and it emasculated me to the point where it introduced me to this perverted world of sexuality and and pornography and stuff like that. Right. So 
Um, for men, a lot of men ain't gonna tell you that they was molested. You they, know, they don't think it's molestation sometimes. Yeah, I, say, don't I enjoyed it. I liked it. You didn't enjoy that. That's the reason why. And that's I had a conversation last. Time. That's the reason why a lot of men are like we. That's what we tell ourselves. Oh, I I enjoyed it. I like it. You was a kid, bro. Like you ain't even you, know what was going yeah. on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I remember the first time. <laughs> I remember the first time without nothing. Scared the hell out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> Why did it scare you? Because I didn't know what that was. Like, like, you know what, what, like was you not trying bro, to? Bro, no, I, 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 first of all, you know what it feels like tonight. Right. And then you just see some shit come out of nowhere. That'll <laughs> scare me too. Yeah, I ain't I ain't touched myself for like three weeks. I mean, I went back to it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was like, it scared me. So yeah. like as a child, thinking about it from that perspective, and I know we laughing about it, yeah. but- Thinking about it from that perspective, you don't know what's going on. And, like, you can't say that you enjoyed that because, I, I, you know, me working with kids and working, like, I, we had a kid that, you know, he was, what, five years old? And he, they had to take him from his house because he was, he was masturbating. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, who introduced that five-year-old to that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you think about that, how many other kids deal with that and how many kids, like, that father, he's going to grow up and be an adult one day. And that's part of his story. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough conversation, but I would tell people, you know, you have to embrace it. You may not have the opportunity to go back and get the person that abused you. Mm-hmm. You may not be able to face the villain, right? Yes. You have to tell yourself, in spite of this situation happening to me, I'm not going to let this dictate how I navigate and how I view life. Yes. I know a lot of people who... I don't trust men because of this. I don't trust women because of this, right? Mm-hmm. Will you let that dictate how you love people, how you view people? Is all women going to be evil? Is all men going to be evil? Or are you going to say that person was, was bad? He, yeah. yeah. You know, that person did something bad to me. Yeah. You know, so you know, I would encourage you, you know, start there, get the help you need, get therapy. Um, if you can't afford therapy, uh, try to find some counsel in church. And I know the church world is, I know we, we get straight away from it, <laughs> but you know, there is safety in community. Yeah. Find you a community That's what I was going to say too. of Added people time, that yeah. either been through, been what you've been where you are and that you can feel safe to like, just break down, to be vulnerable and to let go and to, to like be yourself and say, Hey, this happened to me and you ain't worried about yeah. it getting out or people yeah. shaming you. Yeah. Well, I was going to add on to what you just said and say, uh, you know, find a community that resonates with uh, the experiences you've had in life. Um, so if it's a, a support group for um, hope, the homelessness or if it's a support group from the molestation and sexual assault for the youth, like join those groups and be a vessel in those groups to share your story and listen to others and help those people come to a place of healing. Uh, I would I would hope that club culture is a place for people to feel like they can heal or be aligned with people that have gone through similar experiences because that was the purpose of creating this podcast. I don't think that you just out of nowhere sh- gave us your story of molestation for no reason. I think that there had to be something here that made you feel safe enough to speak yeah. about that. So, uh, keep- God, <laughs> God is in this house. Uh, God, nigga, shut up! Are you so ignorant? <laughs> Uh, talk about being a father, man. I love it. Two babies. So technically, I do have two, but I have three. When I got married, my ex had a she. Like I told you, she moved up here or whatever. So when I met her, she was six weeks old. I've been in her life from six weeks old till she was ten. Got you, got you. 
Um, well, that's like the typical. You like a real church kid, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, um, yeah, man, I love it, man. Especially seeing them turn like develop their own personalities, which like really is an extension of me. They all act like me, but in different mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, and um, it's beautiful to see. And like the beauty for me of being a parent is my son is exactly who I was when I was his age. Mm-hmm. What are I, their ages? Huh? What are their ages? 14, now? 12, and my daughter will be nine in March. Oh, you got she, kids, kids. Yeah, she's blowing me up right now because <laughs> they got a <laughs> basketball game. Um, but um, um, yeah, they all are essentially my son is exactly how I was when I was a kid, right? And he's very emotional. He cries. He, he like he's in touch with his emotional side. When I was that age, I didn't have somebody supporting that. Mm-hmm. I was told I was a sissy, I was gay, all like I was bullied for that, right? Yeah. Right. You know, even with you know my dad, and he didn't mean nothing, but it's just the way he was raised, my uncles, the people around me. So that added to <clears throat> my need to prove I wasn't, you know, I wasn't gay. So I'm I'm going after the girls. I'm yeah. doing this. I'm because I was trying to convince myself I wasn't those things that they said I was or yeah. whatever. So with my son. Knowing that that's how I was, I'm now supportive of him. Like when he has moments where he break down, I'm like, okay, son, well, what are you gonna do next? Right? Mm-hmm. What what's what's the next step out of this? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's okay to cry, just don't cry too long. Let's figure out a, a game plan and stuff. So he's probably the most emotionally intelligent kid I ever met in my life, and I ain't saying that because he's my son. Yeah. There's been moments where that dude has helped me out. He says stuff to me like, "Hey, dad, you can't be that way." Yeah. You know. So it was a beautiful thing when you see, um, I'll never forget, we was at a restaurant one time, and uh, we were just eating pizza, and I had one of my friends there, and we are just having a conversation, and randomly my son says, Dad, I think it's really cool how you, you treat people right, and you do things for people who did you wrong, and you still be nice to them. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's something that I can't, like, you can't. I mean, you can teach it, but a lot of people don't have that mindset. You know, you go on social media now, if they ain't doing nothing for you, leave them alone. And we cutting everybody off, but we're not mm-hmm. teaching people compassion. Mm-hmm. We're not teaching people, you know, yeah, have boundaries, but also don't let somebody, the way that somebody interacts with you uh, change how you are naturally. If you're naturally a lover, yeah. that don't mean stop being a lover because people took advantage of your ability to love. No, just love somebody else. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And cut them off forever <laughs> for good in, in the process. Pe- people are, this, this is what I've come to learn. People are people. And at the end of the day, people do what they believe is in their best interest. Yes. It's not, a lot of times it's not because they're out to get you. It's just in their mind. Again, everybody is the main character in their story. Mm-hmm. We all just side characters in other people's stories. So they're going to do what they think is best for them. A lot of it ain't malice. A lot of it's just, hey, I'm trying to preserve self. Uh And when you think about it from that perspective, you do two things. You learn how to navigate that and how to move with that person. Mm -hmm. And you don't take it as personal. That's what's kept me from feeling the type of way when people do certain things. In my mind, it's like, oh, that's them. I, you know. I they've missed out on something, you know, that was valuable. See, yeah. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't there yet. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm just there, not there but yet. I also got pushback because just because you're doing stuff that serves you, and that means that you might do something that does not serve me. It doesn't have to be malicious, but it also can be uh, uh, inconsiderate. Yeah. And I think consideration mm-hmm. is a form of love, and so you should right. consider people when you do make acts of self to be able to at least cross it off your uh 
your board that at least I considered this person before I did it. Yeah. If you are like, I'll use something, a, a, a personal story as an example, because me and my cousin just talked about this. Um, his father was in jail for most of his preteen and teenage life. He gets out of jail. And because I, his father was in jail when he was young too, he pretty much was in jail when he had the son. Uh, and so when his father gets out of jail, this father is probably like 28 something now. So, oh, I missed all of these years of my life when I was real young. I want to make up for it. Let me have fun. Let me go fuck these bitches. Let me go <laughs> do all of this stuff. Not, and you still not tended to the kids that you left behind when you were in jail now that you are out because you serve self right yeah. now. So you're not considering the years that you have without these kids and the years that you do now have with these kids, you're still not serving these kids at all. Right. But it's making you feel good, but it's making them feel poor. And so now you're telling these kids that it wasn't malicious, you know, try to see from the dad's perspective that daddy was very inconsiderate and selfish. And that two rights could be at, presented at the same time. So I'll say this to that. Okay. So can you, do you, do you believe that there's somebody right now that think you're the villain in their story? For sure. And, I'm in conversation <laughs> and the thing that they think you're the villain for, in your mind, you're like, yo, that's, that's not what I meant or that's not what I did, yeah. right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we can do things or just based on how they view us, we're painted as this villain and we could have necessary. Now, to that situation, yeah, like, dude. You know what I'm saying? You got, but mentally, you know, he's where he was at when he Man, went to prison. fuck the hoes nah. on Saturday and spend time to kids Monday through Friday. I'm the villain in people's stories for shit that I know I did. Yeah. Like, yeah. I went, ran it through my mind. I'm going to do this to this person. So what do you do when that situation happens? What do you mean? Like, how do you respond? So do you feel like, I'm going to just be the villain? Or do you, is there any conviction to be like, hey, I should probably go try to fix that? No. Or at least, or at least make it known that hey, I know I screwed up. We ain't got to be cool or nothing. But I just want you to know that I was in the wrong, and that's it. No, <laughs> but I do like. There's always like my boundaries are set so far back because of what I went through in life. It's like I really don't judge people. Like yeah. you truly, you truly have to take me there. Yeah. But once you take me there, nah, ain't no consideration. Ain't no, you could, you could die tomorrow. I wouldn't give a fuck. I actually would rather that. Like, that's really it. Okay. Uh, we different. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. if, if I knowingly did something wrong, I just, the, the conscious in me, like, even, like I've, I've written letters right, to my That's ex. it. Because I don't feel like it's wrong. I feel like it's justified. Because okay. you, you came all the way here to cross this boundary with me. See, now you say, have to get slapped. To what you just said, though, Josie, you are able to recognize when you've done something wrong when someone presents it to you like there's no like oh even if t came to say josie you did something wrong you'd be like well i don't think it was wrong so no you'd be like i see where you got that from you right. at least have that in you so yeah let that be known yeah. oh, okay. that you at least have that ability to see where the wrongness could be even if you disagree with it yeah there's a lot of room to correct shit with me uh, before it's like all right let me go ahead and do you bogus now because you just not getting it yeah but I, before even before i do you bogus i'll separate myself from you i tell a lot of men that i deal with you know me and i was man my ex crazy my ex this she does this what did you do to make her that way yeah you know and yeah. when you sit back and like yeah man i did that for me i had to do it like yeah, my ex, she tripping. Yeah, she trying to take me to court and doing all this. But what did I do to make her feel that way? Yes. My ex come from, she's never had, before me, 
she's never had a like a solid relationship where she's already dealt with like you know hood niggas drug dealers or whatever right here comes this church boy right yeah so, so in her me. mind i'm supposed to be like this oh he's different from all of them yeah and then i do exactly what they did yeah now i didn't you know what i'm saying so Everything that she do now, I don't necessarily take it personal. I'm like, yo, it's part of it. Yeah. I did that, and I've written a, like I've written a, a email because we can't communicate because I, I don't want her talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we got this email app that we do through the court with, and I email. I say, yo, I apologize for the things that I think, the things that I lied to you about, the things yeah. that I kept from you, you know. And I'm not expecting you to forgive me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I need to clear my conscience. Like, yo, I was wrong, and I need to go back and correct at least. Attempt to correct the wrong because based on what I believe, my mm-hmm. Bible says that if you offended your brother, go to them and them alone. Or if you offended your brother or you know that your brother's offended, lay your gift at the altar and go to them and try to reconcile. I and that's what I live by. Yeah. I live by if I know that I offended somebody, even if it's something that I know I didn't do wrong, I'm going to do something and say, hey, man, look, let's try to fix the situation. We ain't got to be buddies, but I just want some clarity so we know, like, if we if we can't fix it, at least I tried to make it right. Yeah. Right, and as far as it going being like your ex wife or something, that's that's your family at the end of the yeah. day. Y'all yeah. bonded by children, yeah. so y'all gotta have. There has to be a line of respect. You hear somewhere. that? I don't care what new nigga you get. <laughs> like y'all we family. family. I, like I just, <laughs> I, just I literally <laughs> just had this conversation with one of my homies a couple of days ago at like four four in the morning on some yes one 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 of them type of conversations. Yeah. And I'm like, gang, go make that right with your shorty because y'all family at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. and y'all need to have a clear line of respect to deal with each other because that's your family yeah i'm gonna go a step further with that even if you don't have a child with this person but y'all spent an ample amount of time together built the relationship you still have some type of tie in some way because maybe even if y'all didn't have kids but you cheated on shorty ass when y'all was dating she now has some hurt from that Mm -hmm. and so reconciliation needs to still be there y'all have some type of tie because now this woman has trauma from the hands of you yep you feel me so make that right not I, no, oh, I feel you. I was going to say, I, I feel you. Man. I ain't talking about the type of closure, though, that lead to us, like, smashing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't talking about that. But, like, legit, like, 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 yo, I was wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry for that. To to help them at least, because they might still, they don't care that you apologize or whatever. But at some point, it'll hit them like, yo, I'm holding on to this. Yeah. They've let it go, and I'm living my life hoping that they've. You ever had somebody that you're bad at, and you just hoping and praying? Like, I'm hoping so. Like people say, man, karma, karma gonna get them. What goes around comes around. Sometimes it don't. <laughs> people yeah, can live their life perfectly, and nothing will happen to them. Even though they've been trashing you, nothing will happen to them. And you sitting there living your life, waiting for their demise, and nothing happened. You just missed out on enjoying life because you waiting for their demise. Mm-hmm. As long as I outlive them, I won. <laughs> There's already two of my enemies that's died. <laughs> I won. <laughs> I got. I could become homeless, down and out tomorrow, bro. Oh. You did. I can go smell some good shit, like you know something. I can drink water. Why bro. do you think death is like? <laughs> that's why bad like that. Like maybe that's this- just the finest. That's just the smallest little like. The little one up that I can have on you. Because you still alive. Yeah. What makes you think living is better than being dead? We don't know that. We don't know that. But well, you... while I'm here and I can celebrate that, I'm going to. You got while a little you... notebook that you can cross their name out. <laughs> no, I, like I, 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 ain't I, I ain't got no letter. <laughs> while you living in poverty, check the check. This nigga dead ain't got to worry about that shit. That's no fine. He can't go beg for change and get a six piece from Harold's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> 
Okay. There's things you can't enjoy anymore. He I missed won. out on the Cat Williams interview. He missed out on the Cat Williams interview. <laughs> oh my gosh. He can't listen to club culture. <laughs> I mean, that is shitty. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I won, bro. I can still get pussy. Oh man. All <laughs> but, types of shit. Yeah, but you're gonna be burning from that. It don't matter. <laughs> they can't get a spigot of it. All right. The last topic I got for us before we wrap it up is uh, you were on Facebook Live and you had a, a topic that you was discussion, disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. And you said, how do you heal from someone who is constantly in your life? Mm. You said, how do you heal? How do you heal from someone who is constantly in your life? Yeah, yeah where it stems from is you, you see a lot of people sharing, how do you co-parent with the person that you're healing from? I was going to say, can you build kind yeah. context to that? Like, yeah. why are they in each other's lives? Yeah. Or, so, in general, okay. in, in like, to, to her point in general, um, there's some people that you can't get away from. like, And not in no sense, like, they, like, you involved with them, but, like, y'all just in the same circles, in the same environment. You see this person on the day-to-day. How do you heal from, from that? Um, and what I've learned is, like, is really no clear cut answer to that. It really is like you have to make a conscious decision of like, I'm not going to allow this to impact me. And that takes some soul searching. That takes some internal work. That takes some forgiveness. That takes seeking some help and like talking to somebody about it. Because at the end of the day, you can't control that person. Mm-hmm. You can't make that person apologize for what they did. You can't make that person behave the way you want them to behave. The yeah. only thing that you can control is yourself. Yeah. So since you can only control yourself, the best thing to do is to put the work in to get that out of your system to the point where it don't bother you no more. Right. right? When a person walks in a room and the, the sight of them make your skin crawl, the mention of their name make you feel some type of way, that person got control over you. Yeah. And that's what you want to eliminate. I don't want this person to no longer have control over me. And they don't even know they got control over you. I don't want this person to have control over me no more. So what do I have to do to cut this tie? I need to forgive. Number one, forgive myself for putting myself in that situation. Um, Forgive myself if I didn't lay down the boundaries that I was supposed to lay down. Forgive, And once you forgive yourself, it makes it easier to forgive everybody else. I'm going to forgive that person because like you said, you can't judge anybody really because people... You don't know why people do the things that they do. It don't. It, it might not make sense to you, but in their story, in their narrative, through their perspective, there was logic some way behind why they handled the situation that they handled it. So right. when you view it that from that perspective, you're like, okay, that was them. They did that, but that's not me. I'm not letting that bother me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's easier said than done. This ain't an overnight fix. Yeah. It takes some time. Like it took me. Um, I've been divorced for five years. It took the first. Two years was me getting past, like, the stuff that my ex said to me, the stuff that she did to me, right? Um, and once I, like, took it in, like, okay, that happened. She she did it. Like, she had her own issues. That's why she, and through her perspective, that's why she navigated our relationship the way that she did. Yeah. So I'm not going to hold that against her, you know? And I just said, you know what? I don't want every time we in the same room, I get, I feel some type of way. I tense up, or I can't be at a basketball game with our kids without feeling some type of way about her. Mm-hmm. I know it drives her crazy sometimes when we go to doctor's visits, and I'm sitting there, I'm smiling, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to say, "Hey, you okay? What's up?" You, yeah. you, I'm communicating. You know, even now with our kids playing basketball, you know, we'll go to games, and I would do it. <laughs> I Y'all ride pe- together? No, no, no. Oh. We don't ride. We ain't like she I still hate say. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would sit where she's sitting at, you know, not to bother her, but my son said to me one time, Dad, like, 
I really wish that you and mom can like be at the game. Like my other friends who got divorced parents, their parents are able to sit together. So I do it for my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, even even if she's sitting at the top bleacher, I'll sit in that same section, maybe like the bleacher below, just so the visual for my son is my mom and my dad sitting together, right, or whatever. So you know, what I'm saying. I'm 100% sure probably drive a crazy. I remember one Sunday she got up and moved. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm just at a place where I'm like, you know what? That person, that moment happened in my life. I can't go back in time and change it. You know what I'm saying? I can't stay mad at this person. I got to live my life. You know, and I don't want that to impact any other decision that I make, whether it's, you know, who I date or, you know what I'm saying, how I deal with my kids. I don't want any of that to be influenced by how I feel about their mom. Mm-hmm. So. Now, have you explained that to your kids? Yeah. Like why you can't, why y'all can't sit together? Cause you, you got to serve at a job. No. Nah, so <laughs> my Did you kid, explain that part? So, say, say that again. Did you explain the part where you got your wife served at her job, them divorce papers? No, but I did explain to my kids that like, you know, there were things that your dad did. That he could have done differently. You know, okay. I have intelligent conversations with my kids. I, some people are like, man, them grown-up conversations. No, I don't, I don't believe in grown-up conversations. Yeah. Right. I believe in I should be able to explain to my kids on their level what's happening. Yeah. So that they can understand. Because if we only have grown-up conversations, what are we teaching them when they become grown-ups? They gonna have to learn all this shit on ooh, I gotta stop cursing. They gotta have to mm-hmm. learn. They're going to have to learn all of this stuff on their own. And I would rather prepare them now to say, hey, listen, remember when you saw me and your mama fight? Both of us was wrong. You know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have cursed her out. You know what I'm saying? Hurt people hurt people. When you mad, you say things you don't really mean or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want y'all to be that way. Um, when when you feel some type of way or somebody hurt your feelings, I want you to be able to go to that person and say, hey, listen, you said this and it made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Instead of sitting there and holding it in and then waiting until they do something else and it's like a volcano and it go off. Yeah. So those are the type of things that I teach my kids now. I'm mm-hmm. still working on that. I'm still working on that. I don't know where it came from. I'm sure I know where it came from. Childhood. <laughs> it comes from childhood because we're told as children to shut up and don't be hurt. Yeah. Yep. If we try to express ourselves as disrespectful, disrespectful. or we talking back to our parents, yeah. it took it takes everything in me not to want to smack my son sometimes because mm-hmm. I have to unlearn that him expressing how he feels is disrespectful. Yeah, him expressing like at the end of the day, they're little humans just like us. Yeah, and they have the same emotions that we have: anger, right. frustration. My son told me one day I was irritating him. <laughs> <laughs> My, my little nephew told his teacher that. I bit my tongue and I said, okay. He said, no, he said, you irritate me right now, dad. Because we was about to, he did something. We was, I was already yeah, fussing at him. He said, dad, you irritate me right now. Can I have some space so that I'm not mad when we talk? Yeah. And I couldn't do nothing but respect You can't respect even get that. mad yeah. at it. Yeah. He told his bus driver, but I told hey, man, you can't tell the bus driver this. The bus driver was yelling at him. He said, ma'am. <laughs> Ma'am, can we not talk right now? Because I don't want to argue with you. (laughs) (laughs) But like for them to have those skills as children, only imagine their communication skills when they get older. Right. So, you know, I'm proud of that. It gets them in trouble sometimes with his mom because we just have different parenting styles. She view it as disrespect or whatever. So I try to tell him, hey, when you with me, cool. When you with your mom, just listen. Just let her have it. Yeah. Yeah. My my, uh, sister called me and my other sister was like, your nephew told the teacher that she irritated him. And the teacher called me and told me that. And I don't know what to say to this lady because he'd be telling me that too. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, she probably was irritating him. So 
She was like, I'm gonna just tell him that he be saying that to me too. I said, No, don't tell her that. Don't tell her that. Just <laughs> ask what CPS the hell is going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. What about y'all? Same, I mean, I feel, yeah. How this you feeling, great. Tommy? Yeah, I feel great, man. This was a great conversation. Yeah. Um, really got to get some get some stuff off my chest. Okay, cool, <laughs> cool. A little therapy, don't the podcast? It yeah. could be therapy. Yeah, for real. Yeah. You want to bless us with a freestyle bef- before you leave? You don't have to. You, you sure? I, I, I mean, I can you definitely go. You, you jump it off. I jump in behind you. Uh, Let's yeah. Go. Yeah, off the top of the dome. I think uh. that's what all whack rappers say when they when they start off off the top of the dome. <laughs> Man, I can't rap. Uh, you got any gems you want to drop on the pod for us before we head out of here? Um, work on yourself. That's the that's the biggest thing I could take away. The the first step to healing. So you ain't mad at everybody. Every new year, you ain't cutting people off. Your circle, my circle, getting smaller this year. Every, listen, it's you. <laughs> like it's you. At the end of the day, it's you. If every situation that you in ends in somebody backstabbing you, or the, maybe you should choose your friends differently and figure out why you keep putting yourself in those situations. I know it's hard to swallow. Pause. I know it's hard to hear, but like, really do a self check and be like, yo. What is it about me that's inviting these type of people into my life? Maybe I, I should change some things. What am I attached to? Do the self-work. Heal so that you can, like, it, it hurts seeing people always sad on social media. Yeah. So get happy. Go to therapy. If you need help getting therapy, I would encourage you. Inbox me. I have this resource that I can help y'all get some free therapy sessions. Um, and I, I tell y'all about it if y'all need to inbox me. I got y'all. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just want to see people happy. I want to see people thrive. And I want to see people, like, walking in their purpose in life. And yeah. that requires you to be the best version of yourself. So yeah. this year, focus on you. Don't cut nobody else off. Don't blame nobody else. Work on you. Yeah, man. People keep robbing you and telling you get butt ass naked. Something wrong with you, man. Like everybody taking your clothes. <laughs> like, why your clothes so easy to come off, bro? What are you wearing in public? Well, that's the episode. You don't got no gyms. <laughs> you want me to give a gym? Why not? You go first. Hey, you practice think? better discernment. Okay. Discernment matters. Okay. Every woman ain't meant to be, be fucked on, and oh. every nigga ain't be meant to get money with. Okay. I like that. I like that. Boom. I like that. Uh, I mean, I get, uh, okay, so. Black Virgo women are great. Okay. okay. I don't actually agree with that I one. I don't care. <laughs> Beyonce is one. Taylor Swift is better than Beyonce. No, she's not. Why did what, you have to end our episode on that? that? Why did you have to end our episode on that? What the hell that? was that? Oh, man. I'm going to a Taylor Swift concert before I go to a Beyonce concert. Mm. In, this, in this episode. <laughs> in this right now. <laughs> if you like what you watch, <laughs> press all the buttons. If you're on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and hit that bell. And if you're on your favorite streaming platform, thank you for tuning in and make sure you leave us a rating. Peace. Peace. Just watch the damn podcast.